Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is September the 4th of 2019. <sighs> it's coming. What's coming, Nick? Uh, I mean, you, you should know at this point. Oh, it's right time for some football! Okay. A Monday <laughs> night party! Barrel. Ignore all the concussion problems. And honestly, the song's kind of problematic now, Barrel, but it's still... That's why they don't use it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't remember what the Carrie Underwood one is, or if it's even Carrie Underwood. It might be someone else. I'm not not here to differentiate today's uh, hot female country stars of the time, everybody. I'm just here to appreciate uh, Carrie Underwood. I assume is still like a hot country music uh, yeah, star. Sold at people. the top of the charts. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't know what else is on there. Is 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 is, is big and red? Is that even was that ever a thing? I don't even big know. And rich. Big and the rich. Name. There we go. Well, are big and rich still big and rich? Ho ho. Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, there we go. That's uh, that's a somber thought, but hopefully they are. You know what? Maybe they stopped, and now they're uh, they both got their law degrees, and they're big and rich and Kramer. Yeah, uh, and they've still they've opened a law firm. Kramer was originally part of the group. He was just a lawyer that they teamed up with, <laughs> uh, but he can't play a mean bass if you ask him to. And by yeah. bass, I mean fish. He's good at cooking. Along with all the other hot country stars of the time, like uh, Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I- one. <laughs> I've heard of him. He must still be popular. It's gonna die like that one Garth Brooks song. <laughs> well, you're not pretty... wrong. He's, not, he's still, you know, well known. Uh, <laughs> it was like it gets it gets real dicey after Garth Brooks. <laughs> Does Florida Georgia line count? They shouldn't, but I think they do. I think they do. All right, there we go. I've named three. Yes, we're good. We, and we know that is. It's... Infinitely more uh, country bands that I was able to name than uh, cities and uh, teams when it comes to like uh, MLS, Major yes. League Soccer. Yeah, I can't name any. Welcome to WCMR, Weekly Country Music Recap. Uh-huh. So, yep, that's, that's what, what we do. We do. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had to like just spend two hours trying to pretend that we knew anything about a genre of music we don't listen to? It's. I'm not going to lie, Nick. I like... Uh, Garth Brooks's I Got Friends in Low Prices and I it's would a good find, song. I would find a way to reference it in every discussion. It'd be like, is country today being too bro music? I'd be like, well, in my day, as I listened to uh, I've Got Friends in Old Places, a song that I related to quite a lot for someone who was only 11 years old at the time, I think when I first started <laughs> listening to it, I'm like, I also have friends in low places. Where, Where the whiskey runs and the, the beer chases. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. So we're not going to do that, guys. We're going to talk about manga no. instead. Really? We've got a lot of manga to get to. Yeah. So this is the end of the of the preview portion of the show. We have too many chapters this week. Yep. But stay tuned, guys, because we're going to be uh, putting up our, our sample episode on Patreon any minute now. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> of our our uh, our pilot podcast. I guess I, it's, know I guess it's called Friends in or... Places. <laughs> Knowing our audience, I don't know if they would or would not appreciate us talking complete bullshit about something we don't know anything about or not <laughs> uh, you know some people will say that that's the only way they want to experience us and you know what i can't fault them for that no foreknowledge at all whatsoever when you know what you're talking about no that's not, not be clowns for my entertainment Come exactly on. all right guys recap portion of weekly manga recap as we slowly work our way through kodomo no jigan um 
Oh, we haven't actually – have we actually told people what we're planning on doing uh, for the future of the recap portion? No. Yeah, I don't so have, uh, we'll mention so. it towards the end of the episode because it's actually going to line up with something pretty good. Right. So stay tuned, guys, because uh, – yeah. All right. So we're going to kick things off with My Hero Academia, Chapter 241. Do that interview. All it's right. A, this is a weird chapter. Uh, but it reintroduces us kind of to the heroes. In fact, there's a little bit uh, where we kind of get this little title page of uh, Bakugo and Deku uh, taking down the My Villain Academia part of the uh, logo and replacing it with the usual My Hero Academia part of the logo. So this is kind of like, all right, we've been following the league of villains for so long at this point it's been a few months that okay we gotta kind of ease our way back into all right we're following the hero students now and we're gonna do something with the word it's not really an important chapter in any way whatsoever it's a silly little thing that's like okay hey here's everyone again remember these guys uh and Essentially, what we see is that Todoroki and Bakugo were interviewed following their big heroic moment where they took on uh, those guys that uh, slide and go uh, showed up to congratulate them on defeating later. And uh, Bakugo was his usual self. And as a result of that, he got completely cut out of the entire interview, which lasted for over an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Because they couldn't put him on TV. He was just too vulgar and angry sounding. Uh, Meanwhile, Todoroki is giving pretty professional answers while showing seemingly no emotion whatsoever. So he's the only person who gets any time in the video. And Bakugo is just kind of in the background there. He's also there, but none of his lines got included. Oh, I will say that some of the stuff that Bakugo says... um, kind of expose the fact that he is actually a huge nerd... Because he says when asked, like, oh, are you guys friends? And he's like, oh, is that how it looked to you? Well, you better head to an optometrist or a neurologist. As in, either you need to get your eyes checked or your brain checked. But he says it in a nerdy way. And then later on, he's like, there's no correlation between time spent and friendship. And it's like, God, you're such a dork, Bakugo. <laughs> it is like the, an actual fact that he's one of the smartest kids in class. He is. He is... Uh, I assume because he, second, he, he, second or third. I assume because he explodes all of the tests that everyone else takes, and then uh, they can't get great. <laughs> no matter what he gets, he's the curve. Um, I believe that when they showed the class rankings, he was either second or third, with only Yairozu and uh, maybe Ida ahead of him. Good old Ida. Yeah. What a maybe it was Ida. Todoroki was up there too. So. Um. Anyway, so everyone's kind of reacting to all this stuff as they're kind of like they're catching up with the class afterward and they're kind of watching on the video. Some people are laughing at Bakugo. There's a weird little background thing kind of going on that I found very distracting for some reason, which is that Mineta is sitting on a desk and Ida's upset with him for sitting on the desk. And then he takes him off of the desk. It's very minor stuff, but I don't know why it's just going to like just like. You idiot, Ida. You had him in your grasp. You could have crushed his neck right there and put an end to it. No more Mineta. <laughs> no one would ever know, except for your 18 classmates surrounding you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
then the, 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 there's a bit of with Deku checking the news on his phone about the stuff that had to do with Deka, the city where the League of Villains and the uh, Manahima Liberation Front had their big battle. They're talking heads, discussing it on the news and stuff. And there is a guy who said that, you know, that this the fact that there were heroes who were forced to make a difficult call would have earned them criticism. But now it seems as though we are witnessing a turning point in this era. Uh, also, this guy is like the scariest looking guy you could bring on in order to be an expert on something. He literally looks like Satan. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm the hero expert, monster face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to choose my name. I'll have you know. There's my also head was little... also my head has also been this big since birth. I'll have you know. It looked exactly like this from the day I came out of the womb. It's <laughs> a giant head attached to a little baby body. I've, <laughs> had, I've had a very troubling childhood. <laughs> Uh, so it seems as though there is much more support for heroes these days and Uraraka and Ashido talk about this a little bit because it's like, oh, it has to do, it, it's a little bit different after the whole can't just see kid thing. <laughs> We're still going on with this meme, but it's really weird because whenever people discuss can't you see kid, they do this. They put their, they cup their, uh, their hands around their eyes like they're making a mask i guess because his eyes were wide when he was going can't you see but i don't know maybe his eyes are really big that's it that's all i could think because he certainly was not wearing a mask or anything like that maybe it's supposed to be for glasses like you need glasses because can't you see see that kid open your eyes i guess maybe Anyway, then we get the most awkward moment in the chapter because uh, Midnight and Mount Lady are here to do some stuff. And Mount Lady well, let's is be technical, Nick, who enters Midnight first. and Mount Lady. <laughs> right. Mount Lady's butt and Mount Lady and Midnight are here. <laughs> I know that that's like the the thing like Mount Lady shows off her butt occasionally, but it's the most blatant thing until a later chapter we have to discuss this week happens. Um, and even then, I think that this one's easier to catch than that example. So they are here in order. And Mount Lady is here as like a special instructor to provide a uh, example of how the kids can handle the media, basically. Uh, and Aizawa shows up in a sleeping bag suit. I guess he was sleeping. And says that uh, Mount Lady is here to be a guest lecturer because they're going to have more media exposure going forward. And uh, she's like, as a rising star, I am the perfect hero to teach you how to work it. And so they hold mock interviews, basically. And there's a weird little reaction shot of Kirishima going womp womp in reaction to this. I assume that's meant to be a reference to something we don't get. Like Probably there must be some Japanese like media gimmick or something like that where that that's relevant. I am sure that I have seen this particular kind of way of drawing someone before, but I just cannot recall specifically what it is. This is the Japanese equivalent of Toasty, Nick, as if uh, Ed Boon popped up in the corner of the screen and was like, Toasty! And all the people oh. in Japan were like, I don't get this. And we were like, foolish Japanese. That's, of course, a reference to Mortal Kombat, the prized fighting game of people with skill levels like mine, which is to say <laughs> lower. 
<laughs> so she starts things off with Todoroki, and uh, he. We learn that apparently Todoroki does not understand figurative language at all. Uh, so, <laughs> so first off, he doesn't understand what they're doing because he, she's like, "Oh, good work out there, Shoto," and he's like, "What? What are we doing?" <laughs> he's like, "No, but pretend we're having a, a mission. You've just finished a mission, and I'm interviewing you." Okay. What kind of hero do you want to become? Oh, that person who can set everyone at ease. And and she's like, oh, well, if a looker like you showed up, I think my heart would burst out of my chest. And he's like, do you have a heart condition? <laughs> I don't like I'm trying to remember if this was always a trait of Todoroki's or if one they just created where he's like so blindingly naive that he just doesn't get any kind of like expression he's, he takes everything super literally and reacts to it that way i don't know but i'm into it yeah yeah it's a good choice way more into it than mount lady saying to herself he's cute i want him yeah i mean that's a child and man he's he's like 15 like stop thrusting your ass at the children please <laughs> i like that that's the person giving media reviews it'd be like if like in the real world they're like and here's the person here to prep you for your media exams anthony weiner everybody <laughs> <God>. <laughs> all right so uh you've got the phone now uh-huh. you've got the camera option opened up now what i want you to do is <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> Check the background. Is the baby there? Whatever. It's good. <laughs> this is the golden hour. You're not going to get this again. Just start snapping. How many times have you done this? Hundreds. She's like, um, more than you guys would know. It's still one of the, more than you guys have heard of. It's still one of the best moments of that documentary, if you ever get to see it, where it was actually an interview that he was like being asked, and they were like, uh, how many times do you think this would happen? And he's like, Look, uh, I don't really like. I, I mean, I, like, you don't want to put a number to something like this. I, you know what? Uh, fifteen or sixteen. And you're like, first, you answered it the worst way you could by being like, "Oh, who knows? The numbers are incalculable." Then you gave an actual number, and it was way higher than it was supposed to be. Anyway, it was like you took both wrong paths out of this interview. And thirdly, the two answers don't match up, so you're clearly lying anyway. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best moments in that documentary. Why are you letting us? Why are you letting us film this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I'm trying. Like I'm like Inception didn't have as great of an ending as <laughs> you know. We're just like that didn't leave me thinking for as long. <laughs> anyway. Mount Lady asks Todoroki, what are your ultimate moves? And Todoroki immediately is like, giant wall of ice. Like, we didn't really ask to see it. Kind of just, you could have just said it out loud. He also explains his uh, flash freeze heat wave as well, which is a bit rougher. Uh, But then Jiro and uh, Sato and uh, Agakure are off to the side and they're like, oh, what about that other move that he was using before? And Harakuri is like, oh, flash fire fist. And Todoroki says, no, that's my dad's move. And I'm not at his level yet. So a little bit of reflection there and setting goals for himself. But we're still not done with Todoroki's interview quite yet because Matt Lady says, hey, hey, okay, you know, you're 
it's all right if you want to get touchy like that. Uh, if, but if you want to put people at ease to be that kind of hero, you should try smiling. And, you know, if you flash some smiles, you'll be a genuine lady killer. And Todoroki's like, my smile will kill women. <laughs> Don't explain that to him. Please let him stay this naive forever. <laughs> he's like, and he never smiles. Maybe that's why he's so moody. He's like, I would smile more, but people have told me my smile will kill women around me. I must never smile for the sake of the women. <laughs> anyway, Mount Lady actually gets uh, pretty insightful at this point because uh, to- Tokoyami in the, uh, is nearby. He's like, are we supposed to actually show off our, our moves? And Malay says, well, your ultimate moves symbolize you. And through those moves, people will learn what you're capable of. And they can that they can these can actually prepare you for impromptu team ups and combos, warn people of villains and crimes. This way, everyone will trust you enough to put their lives in your hands. And shouting out the names of your ultimate moves isn't just for show. There is meaning behind it. I actually kind of appreciate some of the logic behind that. The better your reputation is as a hero, if you meet a hero that you've never met before, then you can kind of know what to expect uh, they're capable of. That's pretty cool. Um, but some of it is clearly just like, it's, just, it's good for branding. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so we get a quick little montage of a bunch of different interviews. Uh, you know, everyone's doing well. Uh some of them are explaining what their goals are. Some of them are explaining their final points. And then it's just like, and tail guy is also here. <laughs> now, all of them give a great reason why none of you should worry. I mean, we don't see what tail guy does, but he, he made everyone confident with his skill. Yeah. yeah. And of course it's right when we get to him, it's like, okay, don't, don't show what they say. Just... <laughs> I want his line to be something really stupid too. Like beating. I have a tail. Beating. <laughs> You beating me would be some kind of fairy tale. And like they go out there, they're like, it's not even the right kind of tale. <laughs> He's like, what? All I know is the manga. <laughs> there is a second kind of tale. Hero's been lying to me this whole time. Do women not naturally end up in sexy positions everywhere they go? <laughs> Wait, have I just been really over? Overwhelmingly pressuring all my all my like classmates to do like sexy truth or dare style punishment games during Christmas. Oh my god, I'm a monster! <laughs> oh Jesus! No wonder I have no female friends. <laughs> Bakugo gets to, gets up for the interview and he says, "I ain't gonna waste time on sound bites. Just shut up and follow me." Uh, Mount Lady says, "You know you're." You're actually better when you interview alone. Just you just don't mesh at all with humans. <laughs> so he's kind of too rough and coarse. But on the other hand, there is Deku, who's far too timid. He gets up there and basically turns into an 8-bit video game character because he is so stiff. Uh, and he only starts to loosen up when he gets to start talking about All Might and the way that he emulates his moves. And he starts going into his rapid fire mumbling. Uh, and Midnight cuts in at this point and says, what about that move that burst out of you recently? How have you been progressing on that? And Deku extends his hand forward and thinks to himself about how it's been two weeks since the black tendril thing appeared. Uh, and the presence of it is gone, but he's been trying to visualize the 
kind of locked door that all of his dormant quirks are lying behind. Uh, and he thinks to himself, the containment phase is over. Next is letting out as much as I can properly control like I did with the levels of one for all. Uh, and he is able to summon a tiny black tendril, which immediately dissipates into mist. And he's like, hey, yeah, I did it. Yay. And uh, like, oh, my God, just, that was really pathetic. Deku. Don't, don't be proud of that. And even and if Baku was thinking to himself, he's seriously happy about that. What the fuck? You know? Oh, you should be happy, Deku. You accomplished something very good. Mm hmm. Cut to All Might who has been working himself to the bone, apparently. He is so tired that his face has gone from square to triangular. He's not looking so good right now. Eat a sandwich and take a nap, Toshinori. Uh, the principal, Nezu, approaches him and is like, are you okay? I'm fine! And uh, he has for Deku uh, records of the past generation's uh, in a tiny little notebook, but according to uh, according to him, records of those generations are actually few and far between because I guess superheroes were super secret until like 40 years. Ago. I don't know. But in addition to that, it is nearly time for them to announce the next round of work studies. Ooh, and this time, of course, Bakugo and uh, and uh Todoroki can be uh, interns too. So, hmm. so that's presumably where we'll actually be spending a good chunk of this uh, next arc is with that as the basis. But we'll see. Yep. It's uh, kind of an in-between chapter, so hmm. not too much to really say on it. Yeah. There's some funny moments in it. Uh, it's nice to get to see these characters we haven't gotten to do anything with in so long but it's it really doesn't seem like the, anything in this is really going to come back yeah. beyond you know character motivations we basically already knew about so all right chris all right let's talk about eden zero nick chapter 59 i know you can move on which is uh also what my parents would say to me when i was a child and i was like i can't walk anymore and then they'd be like yes you can Let's talk about the chapter, Nick. Okay, I have mixed thoughts about this chapter. But okay, so Lady Valkyrie is dead. She's dead, never yeah. coming back. And everyone's crying. And uh, Hamora's crying a lot because that was her mentor. And she's crying, saying, I've been looking for you all this time. I missed you so much. How, how can this be how it ends? Answer me. No, it's not fair. You, you have to wake up. Uh, Weiss can fix her. And uh, we do have Pino say that when an android's core st stops, it's the same thing as death for a human. So I guess that's their way of saying, okay, even though we have like three supercomputer geniuses back on the ship, uh, we can't actually just fix Valkyrie. So Valkyrie is very sad because she thinks she'll never see her mentor again. And I was a little disappointed by this scene because I thought this was where the perfect payoff to Hamora's stupid I say everything that's on my mind gimmick would come out. Uh, but they didn't really do that. So I was a little bit disappointed because that was yeah, really just like go over like everything that she's feeling. Yeah, like every, every thought should be like expressed in that pretty, moment. It's pretty it's pretty generic, honestly. Uh, so we see we cut away. So time has passed. Uh, everyone's pretty sad, but it seems as though everybody's mm. kind of sad for the right reasons, which is they're sad for Homura. Uh, obviously, that if Valkyrie is dead, that means they don't have the fourth shining star. That means they won't be able to see mother again. So everybody's a little sad because of that, too. But it seems like everyone's pretty uh, sad about Amora. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys from earlier show up. Uh, the one who kind of looks like Scott Dawson is like, hey, uh, so we didn't leave her out there because we didn't care about her. We left her out there because she was our beacon and we wanted to leave her there until eventually Hamora could come find her. So that's yeah, there's it. a there's a thing that they also say, which is that, you know, we hold Lady Valkyrie in high respect and we call ourselves Valkyrie's army. And later on, uh, one of them says, you might call us the resistance. It's like, well, which are you? Are you the Valkyrie <laughs> army or are you the resistance? Branding. Branding guys, the, come on! We're never going to be able to get T-shirts like this. Oh, jeez! No, this way we'll sell two T-shirts. No, you no. You're never going to be able to get both. Uh, and then uh, we cut away. It's like the, the Scott Dawson looking guys. Like, and now that Hamor is here, the last piece is finally in place. And uh, uh, I want to keep calling her Lucy. Rebecca's like, I think we'll just let her grieve in peace right now. Which is, of course, exactly this- not what happens. This is honestly like probably the thing that thus far in this series has made me like Rebecca the most that she's just like, look, like we're just, I'm just going to let Pomora have her space right now. Cause it's like, yes, that's what you should do <laughs> until it reaches a point where it's like, it's really unhealthy. Just let her be for a while. So she- anyway, she goes up and talks <laughs> to her immediately. So Shiki walks up to her and is like, your friend was super cool. She was a butt-kicking cool warrior. She would have made a great friend. You should stop okay, being okay, sad okay, now. You should no, st- no, 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 no. Up to that point, it's like, okay, good job, Shiki. Stop right there. <laughs> you should stop being sad. I know when I grandpa died, I was sad, but I had other friends. I guess you don't. They're all dead. But... You have me now, and you have the rest of us, so I know you can move on, too. And he stomps away, and I I feel like he gets five feet, away, like, five steps away before, like, he goes to the ship to, like, ah, 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 and then, like, the eyes tilt down, and he gets a scout, and he's like, time to kick ass! <laughs> like, what, bro? You, you gave, like, five seconds for this conversation to be like, your friend's dead, that sucks, feel better, time to kick ass! His exact words are, you know, it hit me really hard when my grandpa died, too. But I had Michael and the other townspeople. I had my friends, so I managed to move on. You have friends, too, Hamura, so I know you can move on. It's not the thing to say when she's been there for an hour max yeah, and it's... is still staring at her mom's corpse. The, the... Fuck you, Shiki. The, the key Go line, fuck yourself. The key line would be that she says, I do not know if I can ever recover from this, which I can understand if a week has passed and she's still saying that. Then there's some concern. For yeah. all intents and purposes, it seems like it hasn't even been a full day since no. that happened. So she's only one with space. And he's just like, nope, you can recover from this. I'm going to walk away. And it, like, So there's a lot of small things that can make a moment like this better and i i look to the moment like this and i think of like the big thing between nami and luffy and arlong park and one of the big moments that made that moment so special is that luffy didn't say anything he just kind of put his hat on her and his hat which to this point has been his treasure it's the one thing he he doesn't let anybody touch it's been this thing he gives it to her is this show that all their fates like that everybody's standing behind her and they go on and march and it's like the nice kind of moment there there's nothing like that here there's no real like real personal message there it's sort of him just saying like i know lost too but i recovered from it and you will too which 
it's fine as a message. It just doesn't feel very personal towards this moment. Or yeah. Anything. And he could have even said the very close to the exact same thing. If you had just chopped off like a little bit of this, like instead of saying, even if you just change the wording from move on to something else, you know, keep it to like, you know, what Homura says, recover, you know, you have Shiki say it, you know, it was really hard for me when my grandfather died, but I had other townspeople. And so I was able to recover and it may not seem like it now, but I'm sure that you can, and we are your friends and we will help you to get there. It would have not have changed the scene very much, but it would have made it much more effective uh. The because the exact word choice of move on can be really blunt. It's oh, and for him to do these things, hey, it's so she's proximally. Been, she's been dead like five years. Get over it. <laughs> for him to be saying it's so proximally to what's going on comes off as really insensitive on his part. Anyway, uh, now she's going to go yeah, so again, punch stuff. She, so. she takes about five steps, puts his angry face on. And it's like, uh-oh, things, <laughs> things are serious. So we cut over to Madame Kurna in her giant golden tower. And uh, we find out that the, the radiation sequence has started. I guess they're going to use the this giant sky beam to blow up the entire labor district, which makes sense because uh, it sounds like they should have done that for a while. Uh, because we find out uh, Madame Kornai knows that Valkyrie was down there, died down there, and is treated as a like a saint to everybody in there. And she hates that, and that's mm-hmm. why she wants the labor district gone. Not only are they not earning her money, but they don't respect her anymore. Uh, Fair enough. So Nino is like, why would you want to do that? Like, Valkyrie was good to you. She saved you from the labor district. And she's like, saved me. Ridiculous. I just allowed her to be useful. I rose to greatness of my own power, and I have done nothing but earn the spite of that rabble. Yes, Valkyrie did request that I return to my daughter. What deranged nonsense! Ha 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 ha! If I, as if I had ditched this brat, that I would be here in the first place. Ha 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 ha! Query. Okay. Why'd you have Homura if you didn't want her? Uh, you know, sometimes it happens, Nick. Sometimes, uh, look. I say this. I have a very close family member. Doesn't want kids. Yet has refused to use a condom in the past seven years because he's just like, I don't know, it'll never catch up with me. So uh, maybe this is the same scenario here where she just like was having a lot of unprotected sex. And she's like, it'll never, never have a kid. And that happened. I don't know if I want that question answered, you know, like because I feel as if the, the answer might be that she had Homura in order to like force some guy to marry her so that she could kill him and take his money or something like that. But it is kind of one of those things of like, all right, I understand she's pure evil. And the per point is it's not the family you're born into. It's the family that loves you. That is important. Um, but it does occur to me, like, you know, in this world of super space sciencey stuff, like what you, you, you had a kid and didn't want it and you carried it. Okay. All right. And she didn't just like throw more in a dumpster as soon as she had her. All right. Maybe, th- maybe there was a point. Maybe that's too evil. Like, <laughs> so maybe there's time to actually get to understand this going maybe. on because the whole reason, uh, Cor and I supposedly left was to make money to mm. help her daughter. 
Because some people are suggesting, like, oh, maybe she had Homura just to sell her into slavery. I'm like, well, if she did, then she would have just sold her as soon as she had her yeah. or something like that. Like, we saw Homura as, like, a pretty young child that it's like, if that was her goal, she would have done. So maybe there was a point in time where she did want to take care of this child. But then being separated from her, she's like, oh, it is monumentally easier on me to just live alone. And then it just spirals yeah. out from there. She's like, well, this that's This is just Kurenai saying this. Or, so. or this is what she's become. Maybe just yeah. over time, she has become a worse and worse person. But maybe at one point, she did have feelings. I don't know. Uh, but she, she's laughing about that when Cheeky comes crashing in through the building. And is like, which one? I should have done this 20 chapters ago. He just, he just flies straight up. Everyone's like, this is like the 120th floor or whatever. And he just flies straight up and crashes through. And you're like, I'm surprised it's that easy. All right. What's the security uh, system? <laughs> so uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to I'm taking you to see more because that's what Valkyrie wanted. And Madame Carnet is like more on this planet. Whatever. I have absolutely no interest in seeing my daughter. And uh, Shiki, uh, I guess, just forces gravity into his foot. So it starts collapsing the floor around them. And he says, no, you're coming with me. After I beat the crap out of you. Okay, Shiki. Yeah, I... Alright. I hate this all right. chapter. I, I really hated this chapter. I just, Our hero, everyone. <laughs> it's just the moment, like, I, the part that annoys me so much is, like, the big smile, I know you can move on to five-step serious face, and then, like, it's just, like, hard cut to him crashing through the building, and I was like, I kind of feel like a lot of this to this point now just doesn't really matter if he could just fly up to the top of the building. Like, maybe we're not gonna just have the big fight here, but I feel like a lot of time was set up establishing this world, the rules way it worked and everything like that, and it's like, I mean, Cheeky can't just, I guess, fly up the side of a building and punch her out immediately. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about Mission Yozakura family. Oh, well, I guess we can talk about these children a little bit first. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the main character has grown 10 centimeters, Chris. That's how much time was supposed to pass before we actually finished up the series. <laughs> it is literally measurable how quickly the series is being preemptively canceled. <laughs> That's this is the first. So, there you go. Mission Yozakura family, chapter two. Tayo is in bed after the whole thing where he married into the family. His new big brother is here to wake him up. Uh, he stabs the bed between his legs because he still doesn't like him. And But he's actually here for a good reason because uh, Mutsumi is there and they've also got uh, and she's gotten all of his stuff ready so that they can go to school. And uh, her big brother grabs him and then they're like, we have to escape. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they really leave the building and then Tayo's house explodes behind them. Okay. <laughs> but this is an important uh, chapter uh, because the first one kind of established, okay, this is the setting. These are the characters. The second one is what's actually giving us really kind of the premise of the series, which is now that Tayo has married into this family, we get his motivation, which is that Mutsumi is actually the character that has to be protected. Uh, we get this big thing about uh, how the Yozakura family works, which is that every single generation, there is one member amongst the siblings who 
has no superhuman talent like all of the others, but they are the person who can pass on the Yuzukura talent genes. So if Mutsumi is killed, then the Yuzukura line will no longer be super spies or anything like that. So all of the other siblings, their greatest mission is to protect her at all times. Did and I, this actually... Uh... Go ahead. Did I miss last week that there's a member of the family who's a dude in a trash can with a bandolier of grenades? You absolutely did. Okay. Yes. His specialty just... is tra- his specialty is setting traps. Okay. I just I didn't remember from last week. Maybe it's just because the dude with the bucket on his head took all of my it's attention. A little bit too... <laughs> but I saw that panel. I was like, is there like an evil Oscar the Grouch in there? All right. Uh, but apparently. <laughs> Spies in this world, there's still a comedic element to everything because we see that Kyoichiro, like, you know, posted about his, you know, sister getting married. And I was like, I hate that she got married. And there are all of these assassins giving vague to not veiled to not veiled at all threats against her. Like there's a guy called the King Bomber who says, may they blow up happily ever after. And one of them is like, if I ever escape from prison, I'm going to send them a wedding gift. (laughs) It's a little weird. But there we go. Uh, so we get the whole premise of how the series works. And they're like, so Tayo, you're going to have to protect Mutsumi today. Even though he also has no talent whatsoever. So we're introduced to this guy, this uh, bomber, Tamaya, who is going to be attacking them. And we just kind of follow along with Tayo and Mutsumi through their day. And Tayo kind of gets to understand Kyoichiro a bit better because he realizes, you know, when you know that all these people are out there, trying to kill Mutsumi, you start to kind of see everyone as a potential threat against her. So you kind of understand a little bit better how Kyoichiro thinks about the world. And also, he he doesn't really think about that specifically, but uh, rather the way that Mutsumi would see the world. Because now he knows this is what she deals with all the time. And yet, despite that, she has always acted as kind as she is. So there's that, too. Uh, Also, Tayo, we learn, is getting a little bit more... Uh, competent around people as a result of just the fact that the stuff that you have to deal with when you're surrounded by dangerous spies and assassins all the time, social anxiety apparently is something that you kind of leave by the wayside. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, if people are talking to you, if, you know, people are trying to kill you. But when this is pointed out to Tayo, he has a little bit of an anxiety attack. And so he has to go to uh, Kiwitro's office for a little bit in order to recover. Um, uh, and he talks with me a bit about this. Uh, Tayo gets apologizes because, hey, you know, we got married basically because I selfishly decided I was going to be the one to protect you. And I didn't give any thought to how you would feel about this. And Mutsumi chops him in the face and says, hey, I wanted you to choose me. You know, I wanted it to be you because, you know. You thought about my feelings first, despite the dangerous situation you would have been putting yourself in. And I've known that you have that unselfish side of this whole time. So I'm really glad that you decided to do this. So thanks for marrying me. And before they can have an emotional moment, Ty looks up at the ceiling and sees that there's a bomb planted there. And they manage to just get behind, a, I don't know, something so that he can protect her. Uh and Tyo realizes in that moment, wait a minute, the first bomb was in my house and the second bomb was here because I came here uh, a lot recently. So if they know everything about Mutsumi, they know that I'm close to her. And so they'll have actually used my movements in order to get her. So then 
if they've known about that from the beginning and he opens up his jacket and looks at his shirt and sees that there's a tiny bomb planted on him. And that's the bomb that's going to kill Mutsumi. So the only thing that he can think to do in that moment is just because the, the exit is blocked by the bomb that's just gone off is to jump out through the hole that's been blown on the wall so that he'll be killed, but Mutsumi won't. But fortunately, Kyoichiro anticipated all of this and he's hanging out on the side of the wall grabs Taiozi, falls through the ground and one of his wires blocks the mechanism and the bomb and he's like hey you know so good good job noticing all this you've done well and he says as a reward i'll tell you this in this world you may doubt even yourself but there's one thing you can trust and that is family i may want to kill you but i will never let you die even if it kills me so you can put your life on the line try your best for the sake of our dearest mutsumi so, hey, nice, nice little moment there. And I like the establishment of their dynamic of, look, I hate your guts. And I want to kill you, but we're family now and I will protect you from everyone else. It's, cool. it's, it's shown off as super well, too, where it's like he's super proud that he's like, oh, you realize what was happening. You jumped out of the building to save her. That's awesome. But understand you're a family, so I'm not going to let you die. So yeah. it's, it's a very cool way of establishing that that dynamic. Yeah. And of course, it's then given a bit of levity immediately afterwards. He's like, all right, I'm pulling you up. But if I accidentally let you fall and die, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> uh, and then he takes the bomb in his wires and throws at the bomber in the building across the street and blows him up instead. Uh, and there's even a little moment where the bomber is tweeting and he's like, well, I'm on fire now. Looks like I'm gonna die. <laughs> That's honestly the funniest moment of the chapter is the bomber still tweeting at that moment. I think that this was a really good chapter. And I mean, last week I said like, hey, this was a cool little story. I don't know how it's going to follow into a series. But now that we've gotten this establishment of, OK, this is what we're going to do now. These are the this is the character's dynamics that we're going to be dealing with going forward. And this is their mission. I'm really into this and I hope and I've got high hopes for this. I hope that it continues to to uh, come across this well and I hope that it catches on. But I, uh, we'll I like the bomber a lot. I kind of hope he's not dead so the bomber <laughs> can show up again. But you know what this is reminding me of? Uh, a better executed version of Katakyo Hitman Reborn. Mm. Where it's like a kind of comedy, kind of action series, but it seems to have like a stronger footing in what it is off the bat. Now, I I know there's also some stories that Hitman Reborn was told kind of early on. It's like, ooh, you're not going to survive as a comedy. You better start. <laughs> you better start having fights and shit to come up. Uh, but I do like the premise and and the execution of everything are a lot better than uh, early uh, Hitman Reborn. It definitely seems like it kind of hits a balance between silliness and action i mean like because i mean all the stuff with like the building exploding everything like that it's absurd uh but there's no moment up until uh you know kiwitro catches uh tayo as he goes out of the building that's ever jokey or anything like that it's like no tayo is willing to kill himself in order to protect this girl that he cares about and there's no joking or anything about that and they're kind of kept pretty separate this is the silly part and this is the serious dramatic part but just kind of go back and forth between them so yeah all right and then we've got our new series starting off this week in shonen jump mitama security spirit busters there are two jokes in this series, apparently. Both of them are bad, and one of them does not translate well. Um, 
it's a ghost hunter story. Uh, there is a girl who has apparently like a hundred spirits haunting her. Um, and then there's a guy who is part of security, which is something that he keeps on saying over and over again because Ray means ghost. So security, security against ghosts. And oh, he just says it. Sense. I, until the end of this chapter, was like, oh, his name's Ray. Because you remember my friend Ray who you met at MAGFest, right? Yes. He would say... I'm outrageous, or I'm O-Raising, right. and I'd be like, oh, that's just what he says, because Ray's his name, so he's like, I'm the secure Ray T-Force, and then I got to the end, and he's like, my name is Joe Johnson, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he keeps on saying all this the whole time, and it's like, he, it's always supposed to be like a big, oh, silly, and it's like, yeah, but you have to tell me Ray means ghost every time, so that joke doesn't translate. Maybe the adaptation should just try to come up with a different pun. But anyway, the other joke is that despite being a ghost hunter, he is terrified of spirits and also can't see them. So he's kind of useless up until the point where he gets so terrified that he actually cries and then he becomes like a super saiyan against them. And he does lots of useless gun twirling that does absolutely nothing up until he finally does it like he spends literally like three pages or something just dancing and twirling the gun around until he finally shoots it in the head and then he's like oh time for you to part to, to go to the afterlife or something and then as soon as it's over then he stops crying and he goes back to being a wuss and then he tries to act cool and 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 then that's it that's that's now, I'm really not into this. We, so we should specify that although this premise might, on some level, of the surface sound like it's like an action series, this is purely a comedy series. Pure comedy. Uh, everything is 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 going for a joke, and unfortunately, the humor in this one is not super strong. Um, and I don't want to speak for Nick, but I don't think either of us have a particularly fond track record when it comes to these like pure gag comedy series when no. Jeff puts them out. Oftentimes they just don't hit or it's difficult to translate. So Well, I mean you liked the David series, but that's about it. Yeah, so. but even that started to wear itself out by the end. So uh yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about this no. guy. Yeah. Um Well follow it for a couple more chapters and maybe it'll get better, I guess. Mm-hmm. We have until we'll chapter see. three to decide, Nick. Yep. And we can only pick one between this and the Spy series. Oh, and it's going to be <laughs> such a difficult choice. Samurai 8, The Tale of Hachimaru, Chapter 16, Starbreaker. I, something like kind of snapped in me when I read this chapter. I don't know. I think that I was just like, this is, I thought the series is called Samurai 8. And they're, they're samurai that are shooting off in their rocket ships to fire lasers at, at an asteroid falling to Earth. And they're samurai. And that just kind of, I don't know, it was just like, what does this have anything to do with being a samurai? This was a chapter where I was like, is this all supposed to be a Star Wars inspired series? Because this was the moment that I kind of thought for a moment when it seemed like they were like, oh, uh, Hachimaru, we need you up here. I was like, oh, this is like when Han needs Luke to get one on one of the guns. He's firing and like they were going to have that moment. Instead, they turned the atmosphere into a sword. Yeah, that was weird. 
So, yeah, Dharma and Hachimaru are going to go up on the top of the ship where they can. They're fine. They don't need oxygen, I guess, because they're robots. Uh, and as they head up there, Dharma says to Anne, lend Hachimaru your strength because a princess's prayers strengthen a samurai. And she's like, OK. And uh, they go up there and she prays and warm powers wells up inside of Hachimaru. And then Dharma's like, here, sync up with me with our head cables and I will show you how to do this. But I don't have the strength to actually do it. So you're going to have to do it. And then you do it. It's my one of my greatest techniques, uh, the star breaker. And so they and he's like, Hachimaru, you have a samurai body. You have Hayataro's handle bone and you have a princess's blessing. So is it called a handle bone because dogs chew on bones and it's the handle of the sword? Do you think? Is that why it's called that? I don't know. Isn't it also part of the spine of the dog and shit? Like, I never know what's actually like bad for these people to lose or not. <laughs> So he says, look, you've got you, you have the core of heroism and you have achieved the Trinity. So protect the planet below us. And it was like, oh, yeah, Anne's up there. And hey, the character that's actually, you know, interesting and stuff is down there. But we're never going to see them again, apparently, because they're leaving the planet after this chapter. Oh, they're watching everything. And Hachimaru is like, this place is my home. But we're only going to see the planet very rarely, apparently. Anyway, the atmosphere turns into a giant dragon head, which devours the moon. And there will be no consequence to either of these things whatsoever. They blew up the moon and a lot of the atmosphere of the world got <laughs> off into space. Nick, but uh, there wasn't an equipment card that did it, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, that's just how Yu-Gi-Oh! has taught me these things work, that you, you need a spell card if you actually want to destroy the moon. There is a spell card called to, to destroy the moon. Yeah, so. someone... At some point in time... I think some, it's a continuous spell. Yeah, I don't know if it's continuous or not. I just know at some point somebody was like, we need to make this make sense within the rules of the game. And they didn't care about it by that point. It was like over ten years after that episode appeared that they did that. Attack the moon. Continuous spell. Once per turn with the battle position of a rock-type monster like Giant Stone, Soldier Stone, which is depicted on the card and was the one that did it in that episode. When it's changed, you can target one spell or trap card your opponent controls and destroy that target. Okay. It's a very specific spell. Yes. But I like it. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, then there is like, you know, Anne's being congratulated by some of her cohorts down on the ground. She can't hear them, but they're like, oh, wow. You know, now that I think about it, her flower arrangement was really brilliant. She had talent all along. It's, Whatever. You're all I get it. They only complimenting her because they did well. And then she goes over to congratulate Hachimaru as he and Dharma go down from the pole of the ship. And Hachimaru is all shriveled up the way the Dharma was after doing his super technique. And he's like, hey, and she remembers that Hachimaru is no different from a scrawny little toothpick. And she's like, I'll give you some food, Hachimaru. And he's like, what are you talking about? Apparently, he doesn't realize how shriveled up he is, I guess. Anyway, they're leaving now. Bye. Yep. They fly away in their giant space turtle. The first time that's ever been used before. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, yep. Nick. Uh. What a tale of four weeks this series has been, where you were like, finally, it's getting itself together. And then this chapter comes along. I'm like, no, wait, almost everything I was worried about was true. 
where it's like, oh, I guess An's role is just sit back and be the healer girl uh, and take no active real part in things. Um, we're not going to actually, like, they make a big deal, like, this is my home, I don't want to lose. I was like, did, did we ever name this planet? <laughs> I don't remember if we saw many things from here. Um, we get to reference Nanashi, which is very nice. Maybe yes. uh, Nanashi will show up again. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, there should be dramatic consequences to destroying the moon and using the atmosphere as a giant blade to pierce through it that I'm sure we're not going to address. Because, hey, we're done our space turtle and we're flying away. Let's find those six extra keys. Uh, I think the only part of this chapter I liked is that presumably we just left the other samurai behind because he wasn't important enough to bring along. Because mm-hmm. we see him on the planet. Yeah. But maybe he teleports up. I don't know how this world works. <sighs> I really wish the series were consistently as good as it has been. You know? Mm. Like, if we could get moments like, you know, when Hachimaru were like protecting Anne and his father and had like his arm chopped off and stuff like that, just like that level more consistently because it keeps on fluctuating up and down and I'm like, Oh, it's good. And it's no, it's not. And it always seems to be the bad is around for longer than the good. Yeah. So it's not great. But let's talk about a good chapter, Nick. We never <laughs> 125, a young girl's acts of devotion to a pizza bed. So we open with Yuega in his house, and he's getting pretty sleepy. In fact, it looks like he's already nodded off when his little sister peeks in and uh, immediately, like, lays him down and puts out relaxing aromatherapy oils and healing music and gives him, like, a super massage. So Yuega wakes up, and he's like, man, I've been putting in long nights, but I always wake up feeling like I slept 10 hours. This is great. Uh, And we get, like, a, a weird, like, 80s movie, like, Hi, I bet you're wondering what I'm doing here. My, <laughs> my, my name's Mizuki <laughs> little sister. And I don't know why I call him by his last name when we're family members, but anyway. It's just how it works. Uh, so I'm committed to doing everything in my power to supporting him and getting him to the top of his exams. So uh, he's like, thanks for the food. I'm off to cram school. And she's like, if I can see my brother in any way, I can help my brother. I'll do it. She looks over and uh, she's like, he forgot his lunch. That's the catalyst of this story, Nick. Uh, We cut over to cram school and she's uh, peeking in through some of the windows. She's like, "Ah, I got to find out where he is. I got a good sister. Make sure make sure her big brother eats. Uh, but I can't find him. I just can't walk in any of these classes. When I guess an instructor walks by, he's like, what are you doing out here? Class is going to start. Go in, go to your seat. And uh, through sheer uh, intimidation, she just enters the classroom and it happens to be Uegas, but she's seated at the back. She's like, uh-oh, if I get caught, then he'll get in trouble too. I have to do everything I can to keep myself on the down low. They establish those stakes. Uh, and the next panel, uh, two people in front of her are laughing and joking and this annoys her. So she throws a ladle with such force that it pierces the table and it beds itself into it like it's a knife. And I'm very impressed. I think she might have real talent, Nick, if she could uh, pierce a desk with a ladle. And yeah. her explanation is, nobody disturbs my brother's schoolwork. And she has like a full like dual hand of like cooking utensils that you're ready to <laughs> Uh, and of course, that's where she's like, uh, 
oops, I didn't mean to. And Vega's like, what are you doing here? Uh, but the teacher just says, hey, can I continue the lesson? So actually, there was no danger in interrupting the class at all. Very good. Uh, all the girls meet up with Uega, so Uega's little sister gets to meet all the different girls, and they're very nice, and all of them are, like, offering her food for some reason. It made me very hungry, including Femina, who looks like she's carrying a bunch of rice balls, but specifically offers a donut that she has in her hand, and I had to sit there for a minute, and I was like, is this, like, a fourth-level Pokemon 4 Kids dub joke? No. What would What would he have seen... The four kids dub a Pokemon. But I can't get it out of my mind. And it makes me really hungry for donuts. Uh, so, Uwego's little sister is very attentive. He's like, why are there so many hot girls in this group? Um, and she's like, oh, well, you know, hey. Uh, I come all the way out here. You know, it's my it's my big brother. I'll do anything for him. Uh, and then all the girls start asking Uwego for help on things. And then, specifically, people who aren't even part of the study group start running up and are being like help me help. Yeah, who the hell are these people uh, go away apparently he helps everybody at this point you have to be like uega you need to start having like charging people for your time you're, you're just being taken advantage of at this point he's like no they're paying me an exposure and you're like that's not a real thing oh you poor sweet summer child <laughs> uh so uh Uwega's little sister tries the butt in. she's like here's the, the the lunch i packed for you he's like oh hey sorry do you mind waiting just for a bit and she's uh She's sad, and he thinks back to something that she he once said to her, where he's like, I promise you I won't let you be lonely. And uh, she sees the scene kind of happen. She's like, all this time, he was always just like our big brother. She's like, oh, hey, I gotta go. There's a super special uh, supermarket sale today. So she heads out, and uh, Uwega opens up the lunchbox and sees that she made an exceptionally great-looking lunch. Uh, I'm not sure what some of that stuff is. It looks like like some of that's just like four hot it's dogs like she little threw little on lunch on rice, but <laughs> I'm not picky, Nick. I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> there's a lo- there is a lot of different food in there. There's there's like sushi and noodles and yeah, it's a lot. Uh, so we cut over to her sitting alone on the swing set, and she's like, ah, "There was no supermarket sale. Why did I lie? Well, maybe he doesn't need me anymore." And she starts thinking back to when she was a little girl, and this is right after their dad died. And uh, she was crying on a swing set, crying for her dad. And Uwega came out and is like, hey, you're still here? Let's let's head home. I'm not a good cook, but I'll do the best to make us dinner. And she's like, I don't want any. I don't even want to go home. What's the point? Daddy's gone. So Uwega walks up behind her, and he gets up onto her swing set, basically like stands up behind her while she's sitting. And he said, Dad used to do this a lot, didn't he? Always, uh riding doubles on the swings and i'm like how fucking strong are the swing sets in japan where i was from there was no way an adult could stand on a swing set much less stand on a swing set while another child rode on it and it would still be safe so i'm very impressed with the japanese architecture of uh swing sets around here very good plan um so Ega shouts out hey i'm gonna make up for dad being gone I promise I won't ever let you be lonely. You still have your brother, so don't worry. Got that? Everything's going to be okay. And you're like, oh, you wake up, you sweet innocent boy. You're too good for this world. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is the kind of series where I'm like, this series better end with this kid getting cancer. And like, we have to, we all have to acknowledge like he was too beautiful to this world. <laughs> this is the punishment of us upon us. <laughs> Oh no! Now that Uiga's gone, twenty percent of the world's goodness is gone with it. Oh, it was too much. 
now the evil's left unchecked. Uh, so she's like, yeah, ever since that day, Big Brother's worked hard for our family, so it's not fair of me to be jealous. And then who should show up but Uega? And he's like, hey, you know, I, I promised you, remember? I can't leave my little sister alone when you look so sad. And he's like, so you don't mind if I keep you company? And she's like, do you mean? And boom, he stands up on the swing set behind she her. She seems much less impressed this time. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I mean, come on now. I, it made sense when I was like a three-year, like a five-year-old little girl. But now I'm a fucking adult, basically. Now it's, I want to bone you. Like, I don't yeah. want to. I mean, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, this is when the swing set does collapse. I mean, come on. That infrastructure's not going to last like another 10 years or whatever. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> uh She's like, what are you doing? He's like, isn't it obvious? You used to do this a lot. We've been studying lately, so I haven't paid much attention to you. So when exams are over, I'll have a bit more time to play. She's like, time to play? You know, I'm not a kid anymore. He's like, what does that matter? Even when you're old and gray, I'll still be your big brother, right? I'll always be here for you, so don't be shy. And she has a little moment like where she starts blushing. And then he's like, huh, well, I guess you'll get married at some point, so I guess you won't need me much anymore. Oh, and another thing, that lunch with every fucking thing that was in it, it was really good. There was honestly too many things for me to name, even though he That's only- why it took me so long for us to come out here, because I was like, oh man, there's so much stuff to, there's so much food to work through. Honestly, I'm going to go behind those bushes and vomit, because eating that much and then going swinging was a terrible idea. There was too much starch and meat and not enough vegetables. <laughs> Which is never a problem for my meals. I want, I'm want. i like, get these starches out of here. Patink, patink. More room for beef. All right. So he's like, thanks for always being so supportive. And uh, sister pipes up. She's like, huh, you know what you said earlier? You know, I could marry you. Wouldn't that solve everything? And he's like, ha, 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 good one. Come on. We're not kids anymore. So she starts swinging faster and I guess almost knocks him off. Uh, and then the chapter ends with the joke of her being more upfront with her support. Uh, showing that she doesn't wait till he falls asleep to give him the aromatherapy massage anymore. <sighs> so there was a, a small little uh, exchange on Twitter where yeah. uh, our, our good friend Happy Nick uh, mm-hmm. said, showed that, that page before with I Could Marry You and That Solve Everything. And he's like, oh no, please don't go down this road. And I, I believe Nick tweeted something like, uh, Big Stupid Chris said this is the best written series that showed in Jump. I think I believe verbatim. And you know what? This is one of the best written ser- uh, chapters this week. This is no, extre- it's not. This is an extremely <laughs> well written chapter. There is a lot of very sweet moments to it. It is extremely emotional and a little very cute. I will say that for a chapter that is all about Yuiga's brocon sister broconing her brother. Um, it's not as bad as it could be, but even so it ends on the moment of what if I married you big brother and it'd be like, what are you talking about? And her getting mad that she, that he's not like, yeah, I want to fuck my little sister. So zero out of 10. That said, (sighs) there's also another moment that gets me about this where, because we are given this understanding of like, this is why Mizuki admires her brother so much is because he was there when they the entire family really needed him to step up he turned out to be incredibly reliable and was always there for them and she's more jealous of the fact that he is drifting further apart from the family than anything else when it comes to being protective of him and wanting the girls to leave him alone if you weren't so explicit about 
yeah, she wants to literally marry her brother, which kind of is counterproductive to everything established in this, then that would be, you know, really good stuff. But it's really weird to have the explanation of Yuigo was not just like a brother to her. She, he was also like a stand in for her father as well. That just makes her crushing him even creepier. So just don't do anything with this character anymore, please. Just just no. If As long as she is going to be like, I want to marry my brother and I'm romantically interested in him. Leave it alone. Go away from it. Stop it. The next time that Mizuki shows up in the series, it had better just be to say, I realize that I don't feel about that way about my brother. I was just protective of him. Anyway, here is my new boyfriend or girlfriend, or I've decided that I'm just going to be, you know, to be asexual or something like that. Just stop it. Anything but the Brocon stuff. Stop it. That's Nick's thoughts on this chapter. All right. There you my go. notes on this week were on this chapter were. Hang on, let me read it for verbatim. <laughs> it's like, ew, gross, don't want. No, my, my notes on it were, no! Okay. And that was it. Sorry. Interesting. I'm going to have to chew on that for a little bit. Yeah, Some decipher that. There, yeah. All right, Dr. Stone! Zeke was 119. Science soldiers. Kaseki is back, Chris. Thank Hooray. God. There's no reason for this series to end now. So, um, there's a really weird joke at the beginning of this where they observe that there is a small piece of Kaseki's body missing from all the parts that they have managed to glue and bandage and tie back together because Senku is ready to just be like alright he's good and they're like no stop there's this, this this very obvious piece missing from the middle of his back and they're like it looks like a thing of poop it's like alright was there a point okay. where Digimon did this and they tried to say it was hair gel at first I forget exactly what they referred to the pink poop as but yes one time I feel like they did call it hair gel I think that you might be right. Like a bunch of like moose piled on top of itself. Yeah. So, so he was like, we should not revive him with a permanent mark of shit on his back, please. And Senku's like, nobody cares about crap like that in the stone world. I see what you did there, Senku. Crap. And everyone else is like, now I'm pretty sure that some people would care about that. <laughs> Namely, Kaseki. <laughs> but... And they realize that Taiju has been missing and he comes swimming back into the little cavern that they're in. He's like, hey, I got a bunch more stone parts, too. And and Ryusui's like, you gathered up more stone parts from the seafloor? How? We don't have any more oxygen tanks. And he's like, what? I just held my breath. I love Taiju. He's such an idiot. He's, yeah, they're like, okay, well, which of these fragments could be the one that Kaseki is missing? And Taiju's like, I don't know. I'm just going to gather up every last part on the stone floor. And they're like, but, but, you know, how much can you possibly carry? And he's like, well, you know, I can only carry so much at a time. So it'll just take me about two to three hundred round trips. And <laughs> I think my favorite part of it, though, is that Soyuz gets in the boat and starts to row out. He's like, well, you could, like, let me row you out there and then you wouldn't have to make as many trips. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's fucking smart. 
So that is what they do. They have Taiju now. You don't need oxygen tanks because he's that absurdly focused on his skill set. And they eventually do get the poop hole stone fragment because they have to call it that. Uh, And uh, Senku's like, all right, revive. And he's back to to normal. Hooray. Kaseki is back. And he actually is really excited about having been turned into stone and revive because like, oh, that was that was actually a really thrilling experience. And Gen's like, it's terrifying, though, to be to be like that, to be in the dark and paralyzed and having no knowledge of what's going to happen to you. And Kaseki says, suffering, not at all. I was relaxing since I knew you fellows would crack me out with science. Aw. I love the fact that Kaseki's like, I have friends. It's good now. Uh-huh. Also, Kaseki feels even better because of the, you know, rejuvenating powers of the paralysis. Because uh, apparently, according to Senku, he probably cured his arthritis and such like. So now he is his all of his skill sets and he's also more limber and energetic than ever. So Kaseki's like, all right, what do you want me to work on? And he's like, and he's drone and, and immediately Kaseki bursts out of the, uh, the moss that they gather around him. They specifically avoided putting clothes on him because Senku knew this would happen. But uh, he's got to fix up his lab first. So they start working on that. And then Senku is like, all right, what we're going to need is, you know, we need to have really lightweight blades. So we're going to take some bird feathers and lightly coat them and twist them in plastic. Uh, And we're going to need ball bearings. We need a fidget spinner. Chris, this is the most 2017 chapter of Dr. Stone since 2017. They're making fidget spinners and a drone. Come on. Uh, hey, Nick, Dr. Stone is keeping with the times. We're always two years behind because you never know when one of these things could be me too. You know, we find out like we had to ca- we had to cancel culture fidget spinners or something like that. And you're like, hey, you just need that little bit of like some breathing room just in case something happens. You never really know anymore. Yeah. Fidget spinners said something really bad about black people. Like, <laughs> you just see someone go. <laughs> They're like, oh, Wait, my hang on, God. Hey, slow that down. Demask it. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like a hashtag fidget spitter is over party trending on Twitter. And like I don't really know who that is, so I have to click it to be like, who is this? And then you just discover things you really don't want to know. Your life was happier without knowing. Guys, this is a lesson. When you see trending topics on Twitter, just ignore them. Most of them aren't very good. And some of them are just the same thing repeated over and over again, like it was today with Scarlett Johansson and Woody Allen. It was just the same thing, but they were both trending. Anyway, that was also problematic. So, pachinko balls. They're making ball bearings, and they're like, oh, look, pachinko balls. And Reese was like, hey, we can make pachinko machines from this and make me money. And he's kind of ignored. But uh, they get a whole bunch of, of uh, ball bearings of different sizes and stuff after grinding them through this big machine. Taiju has managed to gather back apparently every last piece of stone fragment from the, from the seafloor. Suika is sorting through them. They, they're putting the statues back together while Kaseki is working, making uh, the ball bearings and stuff. And uh, they managed to reassemble everyone who came with them, along with a mystery person who had the who has this bizarre long hair uh, trailing down over their face. Uh, and they're like, oh, this is this total stranger here. And I was like, well, yeah, I just brought back every single last person from that strip of, of the seafloor that you guys point out to me. Which indicates that, of course, they can not only save the people that were on their ship with them, but all the people that this village has been terrorizing uh, the entire time that they've had the petrification beam, 
which means, of course, that there is the possibility that Amaryllis could be reunited with those friends that she was separated from long ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and so they're like, yeah, we're getting ready to, to revive everyone and we can. And now the there's no worry about uh, numbers anymore either. But back on the island proper in the village, uh, the one guard with stone armaments everywhere approaches Kohaku and says, hey, you know, that invader that Ibarra mentioned, that's you, isn't it? Tell me where your friends are hiding. And Kohaku's like, well, even if I was the invader, there's no way I would betray my allies. And she starts reaching for her leg. I don't know if she's going for the leg rope or if she's like, I'll get him with my dagger. Oh, it's not here. Damn it. She looks like she's grabbing onto the rope, so maybe there is like a hidden weapon under there or something like that. Like a tiny little pin needle. Ah! <laughs> Cuts his throat open. I'm like, oh shit, this is dark. This <laughs> brutal. <laughs> the true science was murder all along. <laughs> the real science was the friends we murdered along the way. Alright. Uh... So, yeah, they're like, all right, once we've got uh, once we can snatch the petrification device, then that's it. We're going to beat them with science. So, hey, but we've got to have that drone. Kaseki, can you do it? And Kaseki's like, oh, do you even need to ask? I'm more fired up than ever. I didn't dedicate five decades as an artisan for nothing. And he's got the fidget spinner. And they put the fidget spinner in and they make the drone. And, and Kaseki launches the drone and pilots it around. Yeah. And then immediately crashes it because they, he needs to tweet it a little bit. And presumably also he's never remote controlled it before. <laughs> yep. There's some fun little bits in this chapter, but uh, not a huge one. I'm kind of, uh, this is maybe the first time at Dr. Stone that I'm like, are we going to get to this next part sometime soon? This is like the only time at Dr. Stone I've ever felt like things are dragging their wheels. I don't really get your your point. It feels like we've kind of been stuck at the same point for a while. I know that they're, we see them progressing every single chapter. It's like, okay, we've done this, now we can do this. But it's like, we've been at the point of, we're going to get our friends back for the past several chapters. And it's weird to have that pace in Dr. Stone, where huge things and huge steps will get taken every single week, basically. Or they would confront a problem that took them a while to solve and then they would jump ahead and progression a whole amount, large amount. So it is a little bit odd and I think that it's starting to reach the breaking point. So hopefully we move on to the next proper step of this process soon. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the seven deadly sins, Nick chapter three twenty five, the challenges, uh, which opens up with the city of Leonis or whatever its name is. I can't remember, but it's being destroyed. In fact, uh, it looks like the only thing that's really left standing right now is the actual castle itself. Everything else is just being demolished by like typhoons and like lightning and all sorts of nonsense. Uh, there's a little moment where we see, I think, Howitzer, I want to say is his name, talk about getting everybody safely inside the castle. Uh, but it's not super important because we cut back over to the big fight. Uh, the, the three sins uh, that are currently fighting against the demon lord aren't doing so hot. Uh, they're holding their own, but they're they're never going to overtake him. And uh, they, they, they really don't know if they're going to be able to survive. Uh, Elizabeth says, take down the wall that's protecting them. And she's like, all right, if I have to. So she takes it down. Elizabeth heals all of them so that they can get back on the offensive. Uh, but then uh, it basically... They mentioned like, oh, shit, he's really strong and the power he's kind of unleashing right now is causing all this devastation. If we don't end this fight between him and Melodius, 
this could destroy all of Britannia. Um, so we see Elizabeth, like it gets knocked into the air by like a, a, like a whirlpool kind of forming or a cyclone. Uh, and as she's in the air, lightning is about to strike and kill her when it's deflected by who other than Melodius. He's back, baby. Uh, as the great He's been gone for so long. Like mm-hmm. two chapters. <laughs> as, as, as the great Duke Nukem said, I'm back, baby. And then he flicked a cigarette, presumably into like a... I'm going to rip off your... <laughs> Melius goes up to his dad. I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck. <laughs> I'm like, whoo, he's getting some really uh, more colorful uh, taunts recently. Dun, 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 dun. I'm here to chew ass and... Or kick ass and Hang chew on, bubble gum. <laughs> st- shut, shut up. I got it right the first time. Oh, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm Duke Nukem. I'm awesome. Uh, so it's like, hey, well, there's actually kind of a cool moment where we see all three of the people who are fighting the demon lord have like their took you long enough. Huh? Oh, wow. You got here fast enough. All right. Time to get like they all have their moment. But it's all from like the exact same panel size and the exact same pose. And I don't know why it's like this hits a nerd center in me that I enjoy. Uh, and he's like, all right, now that I'm back, it's time to show him the might of the seven deadly sins. So. We have a moment where she's like, wow, Elizabeth, compared to you, uh, I'm, I'm so lame, even though you told me uh, you'd rely on me. So Merlin, return me back to normal. And she begins to do the drolls dance. Uh, Diane, I should say, or Diana. Can't Diane. Can't remember if it's Diane or Diana. It's Diane. All right. Diane's like, I'm going to do the drolls dance. Look at my butt. <laughs> yep. And uh, the demon lord is like, oh, what a disgraceful dance on unsightly although it does this is how you dance <laughs> and he just starts doing the the, the fucking floss dance <laughs> he's like this is what kids do the faster i get the stronger i become like no he's so hypnotic like a turbine <laughs> just fires out a deadly laser blast like, no we were, his floss was too good curse you backpack kid <laughs> That then that becomes the sequel series where they have to go back in time and kill <laughs> Katie. No, they have to kill Katy Perry so I'm she sure. doesn't bring the backpack kid out. No, he will live out his life in obscurity. He'll get a few thousand hits on YouTube or Instagram, but never the great fame of having a Fortnite steal his dance. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't save Carlton, unfortunately. <laughs> They'll get him no matter what. <laughs> Uh, it looks like a, a dark laser blast thing is going to get her, but uh, King intercepts. And he's like, not on my watch. So Diane begs to Droll to lend me her strength so that I can protect everyone I love. And ends the chapter by going, hiya! And uh, shouting out Mother Creation, which I guess is the name of the movie. And now, in my mind, Diane has the voice of Miss Piggy. Oh, listen up here. <laughs> Frog! Hiya! Um, it's a really odd place to end the chapter. I feel like just having her go ah, and then just like cut to black her saying something. There better be something fucking huge that happens at the start of the next chapter to end it on that note. Uh, but hey, it's nice to see her getting to do something because she has been a complete non-factor in this fight up to this point, and for a while. It feels like she's, so. she's kind of been the one sin who's gotten like the least development over time. Not, not to say she hasn't had any development, uh, but when you compare it to pretty much like every other sin 
has either gotten like a massive power boost to kind of keep them more relevant in the fights or things like that, or they just established was always kind of at the top. Like once you established Escanor, it was kind of like, oh, I guess just a giant really doesn't mean that much when you have a guy who can like mm-hmm. blow up mountains with his pinky or whatever. So it's kind of nice that hopefully in this last moment, they're going to be like, oh, here's a big, huge, cool moment for Diane. And I do like all seven of the sins, like being there to fight is a cool, cool yes thing to work with. All right. Let's go on ahead then to the promised Neverland chapter 148. I'm coming. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. You remember Tell the bosses I'm coming. Do you remember Montel Vontavius Porter's theme music, Chris? Where you're just like very awkwardly repeat I'm coming. Oh. It was like, yeah. No. Like, um, I think MVP being a big superstar was like right around when I stopped really watching wrestling as much. <laughs> I don't know if the two and eighth connection whatsoever, but which is not true. I, th- I think MVP is a very fine wrestler, and he's very funny if you get to listen to him in interviews. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it was a good promo, so. All right. So it's the Promised Neverland, and not a lot really happens in this chapter. Yeah, I was going to ask you when we started this one. I was like, did anything happen this week in Promised Neverland? I know I read it, but I can't remember. I, the only thing that's really established is like a bunch of demons are marching on the base that everyone's staying mm-hmm. at. The main thing that we get is that uh, the people are just kind of recapping what's going on. And Emma and Ray meet up with Dawn and Gilda and Sanju and Mujika, uh, their their whole group. And they kind of exchange information on what's going on. And then they set off in order to do stuff. Uh, it's really a bit of a catch me up for the audience uh, more than anything else. It's... We, I mean, we get a little bit at the beginning where there we see the stuff unfolding the way that, that uh, Norman's uh, forces are working because uh, they're like, all right, yeah, we, you know, everything is going according, exactly according to plan thus far. Uh, and we're going to have Queen Allegra Valima and Gilan's army fight each other until they deplete each other. And then we will swoop in and kill the side that survives and things are going exactly according to Norman's plan. Look at the chess pieces. See, look, uh-huh. chess pieces work. Cool. I'm sure the things are going to go exactly as he's planned. Yes. And uh, then him and Ray are going around the town in disguises. Uh, this is actually taking place a little bit earlier before, you know, the bombs went off because there probably wouldn't be children in the streets. Go, yay, drinking. Yay. <laughs> fine, While that happened. <laughs> um, and they're like, all right, they're probably in the castle, the Tafari, and then the bomb goes off. And then they react to stuff that's happening. Then Don and Gilda show up with Sanju and Mujica. And uh, Ray's like, yay, non-human people. Um, and uh, Emma and Mujica have an emotional embrace. Like, oh, yay, we're he- yay, you're, you're safe. I'm glad that you're not dead. I'm glad that my friend didn't kill you, my other friend. Uh, and Emma says, I'm going to stop Norman. Uh, and they established, yes, and we made a, a new promise with Aurea. Oh, and also the important thing in this chapter, which is that two days before when they were traveling with, uh, Oliver and company, uh, they saw this huge force of demons that seemed to be heading towards in the direction of Norman's base. And it seemed like they were going to eventually discover it. So 
that's why they uh, got separated from uh, Oliver and company is so that they could deal with all of that. And they're like, oh, you guys go ahead for the capital. We'll see each other again soon. Mm. Also, Ray says there is a recipe for a poison Norman had his guys make. He's probably going to use that on the citizens. Anyway. Oh, right. Oliver and company is a movie. You kept saying that. I, I was like, Oliver and company. Why does that? Like phrase sounds Chris so Oliver and Company, you know the mo- the most popular Disney movie from the eighties. Oh, I can't wait till there's a Oliver and Company Kingdom Hearts World any any week now. God, to compete the- with like uh, who made fucking All Dogs Go to Heaven, which they don't. By the way, there's very specific- Don Bluth. There's very specifically a dog that goes to hell. Um, right, but uh, the the competing Don Bluth Kingdom Hearts franchise. Uh, which I guess combines with, all with all the, the Pebble and the Penguin, Troll in Central Park. Yeah. It's mostly just Fievel and Land Before Time, though. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, and it combines them with the majesty, the expanded history of the Fantasy Star universe. I guess <laughs> Titan A- and Titan AE. Uh, he also did that one too. Um, and uh, d- 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 Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Oh, maybe they combine them with Dragon Warrior then. That's the other, like, I guess, big JRPG franchise. You could. There's enough there that you can make one game. Yeah, it's got to be. Fa- it's got to be the Fantasy Star because it, it. Like, what's right. what's the Sega to Square Enix's <laughs> Nintendo? And you're like, yeah, it's got to be Sega. It's got to be the Fantasy Star. <laughs> and uh, it's just the perfect fit. So all your favorite. Uh, Squid Fantasy Star Online characters show up to uh, Rock a Doodle, Rock a Doodle. There you go. All your favorite dog blue <laughs> Somehow they've and it's it's probably going to be the better franchise. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh my god! What was the um? What was his name that did it? And they call it Blurndom Hearts. Hang on a second. Um, American. T- what was his fucking name? Anastasia 2. <laughs> God, there's actually a lot of stuff you can pull from for this. We might want to pitch this. Idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hold on, guys. What do you think? We can't call it Kingdom Hearts. Let's call and it. Anyway, guys, let's call it Palace Spade. <laughs> and guys, it's going to be so easy to get the voices cast for this because Dom DeLuise will voice half the characters in this French. <laughs> well, hang on a second. There's a problem with this. island. <laughs> Can we pay him for peanuts? I'm not gonna lie, we're really taking a risk that anyone's well, gonna come out. Well, the good news is it'll be e- really easy to pay Dom DeLuise for this. The bad news is he's been dead for a long time. Do, does he have a son that does his voice exactly? <laughs> and will work for half of what he would have. Or uh, more importantly, can Jim Cummings just do all the voices? And you're like, well, probably. <laughs> Let's be real. All right. So anyway, that was this week of Promise Neverland. <laughs> they're mo- go- they're going. The, the, Emma's going to stop Norman. That's it. End of chapter. Mm-hmm. Great. Black chapter. Clover. Let's talk Black Clover. Page two eighteen. The worst of the worst. We open in the city. So easy, right there. Uh, you sent me for that. Go ahead. The worst of the worst. Yep. Uh, so we open up 
as uh, a bunch of people in town are, are talking about things and a woman who's not very important shows up with today's newspaper. They call her Rebecca. Don't know who she is. She doesn't have a name tag on her. Uh, someone calls her Rebecca, which I think is kind of a weird detail if it's a character we're going to see once. You don't know if they're calling her Rebecca. Maybe someone unrelated has just gone by and they're responding to that. Because as a person off panel, we don't know what direction they're looking in. It's not necessarily at the character who's approaching. True. Or maybe that's the name of the newspaper she's carrying. Like, she's like, guys, you have to see this. Like, is that the Rebecca? The most important newspaper in town's place? Not a completely different from that real life Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Well, she's not an important character, so we don't need to bring her up. Uh, and we then cut over to, I guess it's the, uh, the priest from the tiny orphanage village. I yeah. remember there being a priest and he's like, oh, it's Asta, which makes me a little confused that the timeline this is supposed to take place in because they have a very like almost like posed picture of him. Maybe I guess it, it looks maybe like a drawing that I guess someone would make. Although, yeah. Presumably in this world, there wouldn't be photographs, right? I, is so. there? Could someone not have photography magic or something? No, like that? Chris, that would be ridiculous. Would you can be... have any form of magic except photography magic. Yeah, you have to be one of the four elements: uh, copy magic, uh, <laughs> superpower magic, time magic, and dual all... type magic, generic <laughs> <laughs> all around magic. Uh, so I'm not sure when this is supposed to take place because they got the photo of him that he just turned into. But we find out we're still in the courtroom in that scene, so I don't know when this newspaper got out. Perhaps they have magic newspaper teleportation machines to get automatic out update. Ready. It's like Twitter, Chris. Mm -hmm. They automatically you just you just buy one newspaper and then it automatically updates. This is a very good way to run a business. Yep, they just send them out that way, and then it just starts shooting out. Uh, so we see the nun is like, "Oh my, this is this seems really bad," uh, and then we cut over to all the criminals who are helping to clean up. I'm not sure why this is even included. Um, it's so weird because this the point of this is like that we check around to a bunch of characters reacting to the news, but most of the characters we see are characters that we just left. So it's not like, oh, this is where they are. Yes, because that's what we have with the girl that might be Rebecca. I don't know. And, you know, the people at the church, uh, the there's, you know, there there's the, the people from Marie's orphanage. There's the priest. There's the nun and and ask the siblings and stuff. It's like, oh, we haven't seen them in a while. Oh, wait, these criminals were taken away like three chapters ago. Where do they? <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently their penance, their, their penance is they have to clean up everything. Uh, and uh, they talk about how it's not very fun. But they have to do it, and uh, Jack the Ripper, the great hero, is there to punish them if they get out of line. So, Why is he the taskmaster? He's a magic knight's captain. Doesn't he have something better to do? Apparently not. Apparently his best job in overseeing, not to mention, by the way, his power is to slice things, which seems exceptionally useful when you're dealing with a lot of rubble that needs to be moved to get to important places and perhaps to even find people. Uh, but he's best used to watch over five Nudniks, two of whom I'm not sure why they're still even being allowed out. I mean, one of their powers is invisibility, so it just feels like that's someone you just throw in a cage very Asking quickly. for trouble, right. But uh, anyways, that's what they're doing. Oh, and one guy can teleport. That's his whole magic, too, so who knows? Uh, we cut over to Mimosa and Glasses Guy, Hans, I think. 
Yes. And uh, they're like, oh, no, are they going to make asses a scapegoat for us? And they're like, yes, if this is Domnatio of the Magic Parliament, he actually might be. Asta's up against the very- Mimosa likes to look out of the page. Yeah, his name actually is Domnatio. Nick, you big idiot. <laughs> Asta's up against the very judiciary system of this country. Kind of like they are nowadays, Nick. Oh, topical. Uh, and he's like, if anyone defies it, the entire clan is public. Punished, no exceptions. And then we'll have to deal with a no-deal Brexit. Oh, no. You know, it's great. You can now watch uh, Parliament on Twitch. And it's, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess this is, just, it's it's very amusing to watch it for a moment. If only from, uh, I assume it's the same level that Europeans have when it's like, oh, Trump drew like an additional, like had like the director of like the National Hurricane Committee draw an extra line on his official shirt. And you're like, I don't know. Our president just makes us do this. <laughs> so we can both kind of marvel from afar at uh, how far we've come. Anyway, uh, Asta turned into his devil form and everyone's like, oh, he's shown his true form. Let's, let's crucify him. Free Barabbas. Free Barabbas. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, give up. Like, because even if you defeat me, Domnatio, the best character in the series, <laughs> uh, there's nowhere to run. Like, you're not going to be able to escape. Everybody knows you're here. And if you would try to do it, then we're going to burn your shitty church to the ground. Uh, which I feel like Astus should test him on, because I bet Astus fast enough to get over there before anyone would stop him. He's accomplished everything else before. Why couldn't he do this? But he's like, no, I can't. I guess, you know, I guess I can't do that. And I'm not sure. He's like, yes, you must be purged here. There's no one here. No one in the entire kingdom who will stand by your side. You show you so calamity over everyone you touch. You are evil. And then there's a moment while he's doing this where we get a shot of him from the side while there's sound effects going on around him, you know, because it's like ominous sound effects going. But one of them happens to be right at the back of his head. So he's got this, you know, normal short haircut with slicked back uh, from the front. And it looks like one of the sound effects is a little shitty tail on his hair. (laughs) He has a little baby ponytail or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the wall explodes open, and who should interfere but the Kool-Aid Man? Pe- oh, yeah, I'm here to protect you, Asta. <laughs> and all the people who are in the in the um, proceedings are like... <laughs> no, they're, they're all as uh, indistinguishably fancy and evil as you can imagine. The yeah. wall bursts open, and who should show up? But every member of the Black Bulls. And you guys, this is a little game for the viewers of you at home. It starts without showing them individually. Like, you just see, like, a small portion of them. And can you guess who everyone is based just off of their speech pattern and what they say? I couldn't. Because there's two or three of them that I guess are just undistinguishable. There's, I think, okay, I think in order, it's Yami, Magna, Luck, I know it's creepy cool. poison guy. It's Gordon, <laughs> it's Gordon Gray, Henry, and everything like that. Then it's and then it's of course Gauche. Yeah. And then it's Vanessa because who else would have those up front? And then, oh, I guess this is Finroll. It has to be. I I couldn't tell between Finroll and Luck because the only like unique thing about Luck is his fucking stupid boots 
And the shot that I thought was him doesn't show the boots, but the shot that isn't him does show the boots. So I wasn't really sure which one it was. Yeah, but Lux says he's my precious friend. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. And Finro says he actually treats me as a senior member, and that makes sense for him. It's So, yeah, all the Black Bulls say a little thing, and a lot of them are just kind of like, it's like, okay, we get it. This is your gimmick. Yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. So, we, got, I, we get it, Charm. You want a few food. Yeah. So the Black Bulls. We get, we get a Noel. You're a Sundere. Got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Black Bulls just smash their way into this court proceeding, and they're now going to change all the rules, uh, which I really would have liked if Dom Nasha was like, yes, yes, we, we, we hear your opposition to the court. Please take your seat in the stand. This is an official... <laughs> This is an official meeting. I don't know why you They've got to like cram the, the entire Black Bull headquarters into a tiny chair. <laughs> it's just sitting there, clearly like struggling under the weight. Do you have a bigger chair? No. <laughs> Everyone gets the same size chair. That's how this democracy That's works. How... <laughs> anyway, this guy's totally guilty. No, you, you you guys get one vote between all of you. <laughs> we only give one vote to the Black Bulls. It's It's been in our charter for years. Uh, they're like, oh, you're... So Damnashi is like, you're defending the criminal who caused the Great War. Do you understand what that'll do to the Black Bull's position? And I'm like, are we supposed to be shocked that the Black Bull stood beside Asta? Because there was never, at any point in time, anything that even remotely suggested they would have not done that exact thing. So I thought it was a little weird that it's like this big grandstanding of like, here we all are to stand beside Asta. And I'm kind of like, he didn't want to stand beside him like 30 minutes ago when he thought that they were going to kill well, Yami- a little girl. Well, Yami says, actually, to the series credit, that he was informed that the trial for Asta wouldn't be for another two days. So he had to find out late that this was going on. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're late to the proceedings. Yeah. So there you go. Everything uh, but answered. You know what? The other issue you bring up, yes, that's kind of a thing of like, I get, yeah, okay, all the Black Bulls are here again. They're standing beside Asta, but it's like, all right, yeah, I figured that that would happen. If this were the case of like, oh, well, like the Golden Dawn is here Mm -hmm. to help out Asta, even with like, you know, there, it would still be like, oh, wow, you know, these guys who have this, who already have to deal with the issue of their reputation being sullied because their captain was a traitor and they were supposed to be this hiring guild. We see, oh yeah, people like Hans and Mimosa and, you know, care enough about Asta that the entire guild is like willing to risk their positions by standing beside him. Then that would be meaningful. Yeah. That would have some sort of like, okay, from what we know about the series, that has an impact. It's like, well, yeah, of course the fucking black bulls who have spent most of the last several years with everyone thinking they're crap anywhere, I'd be like, who gives a shit about our reputation? We're going to save our friend who means an excessive amount to all of us. There would have been an actually a pretty cool moment, too, if this was like uh, Fuego Leon shows up. Sure. Or yeah. if it's uh, Nozelle, because you could say Nozelle would have actually probably have heard that they were like, because it's weird that none of the magic captains seem to be aware that someone changed the date of this hearing yet it's full of nobles so like you assume mm-hmm. that some people would hear about it and like pretty much every yeah, magic no, knight so like captain, nozel as a noble stands up in support of asta yeah or some or at least the magic knights would all be there and pretty much all of them 
no like would stand in support of Asta to some extent. So it's weird that like the big thing is boom. Hey, it's it's us. I guess the big difference is like, well, the Magic Knights are all out there with their various tasks that mostly all have to do with overseeing prisoners doing cleanup. I'm like, okay. is this no there are no wardens in this country? I mean, I'm not gonna say like, oh, this was shit or anything like that, but if you're gonna make a big huge deal about this, eh, it doesn't really come off like it should to me. And I legitimately when I was reading this chapter just by myself, I was just kinda like, okay. All right, sure. It, you were you were alone by yourself and you just quietly did the hand job motion and then clicked on to the next chapter. <laughs> no, uh, I did not do a hand job motion, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on then to One Piece, chapter 954, Like a Dragon, Given Wings. Uh we continue the conversation between Hiyori and Zoro in this chapter, although now uh, his name is not coming to me right now. The Kappa. Oh, Kawamatsu. Kawamatsu uh, is also there, and he is objecting to the idea that Hiyori will give Zoro Enma, the legendary sword. She says that it is part of a pair of uh, legendary swords. The other was given to Momonosuke. Uh, Ame no Habakiri is what it's called. Uh, and she's like, look, they're very fine make, uh, forged by two faint black bladesmiths. But Kamatsu is like, no, like, no, you can't give him Lord Odin's sword. And uh, you have to, you know, give back Shusui. And Zoro's like, huh, well, I guess that Moria stole it from here, didn't he? Yeah, you know. Uh, but he always like, you have to give it back to its rightful place. And Zoro's like, yeah, all right. I mean, you know, if you're going to give me a replacement, sure. And I did share combat with Ryuma, well, his corpse anyway. So sure, I'll return the sword. But you got to let me visit his grave later. Kamatsu's like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he says he, he fought with Ryuma's corpse. What's wrong with him? <laughs> um... So the whole plot point about Law though being captured, yeah, he's fine. I mean, of course beat, he is. <laughs> beat up, beat up Hawkins. He's leaving now. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> My hope with all this, because we we get a big revelation that like Hawkins isn't really on Kaido's side, like not willingly. Right. He wants to leave, uh, but unlike Kid, who is just like fuck this guy, uh, he doesn't really have that kind of ability. So. Right. He just kind of got beat off screen. And I hope that this is the chance for a Hawkins like face turn, because if they just want to make of the bad guy, Hawkins has been so like just battered over the course of this arc that he doesn't really look cool anymore. So he needs to be like in a big moment, change sides or something like that, because if they try to make like next arc, it's going to be like, oh, monkey D. Luffy, you have come before me. And now I shall lose to you. Basil <laughs> Hawkins. And my fireflies. Oh, God, Hawkins. You gotta just become like a children's show host who's possessed by a demon, dude. Like, that's, Tony, that's the way Tony to go. Tony, Chopper. You and me have found <laughs> ourselves all alone. And now I will vanquish you. You turned big and crushed me. <laughs> but all you did was took out all nine of my remaining lives and I scamper away to come back at you again in the future. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, Justin Gabriel, you may have defeated me this time. <laughs> and then there's Justin Gabriel. <laughs> I don't even know if they were in the company at the same time. <laughs> the South African sensation, Justin Gabriel. The dare wolf, Justin Gabriel. <laughs> I think we were in the Nexus at the same time. <laughs> Some boy, I believe I went under a different name at that point. But one who, if you just counted the win-loss ratio, may have been a little bit better. <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about right now. That's <laughs> all, all that matters. Anyway, yeah, Hawkins gives this big speech to Law about how, like, yeah... Kaido's fucking scary, so I decided, no, couldn't do this. Uh, and he said also they, that he could not imagine Kid ever submitting, he will die. Tell the rest of his crew, do this and that, or your captain dies, and they and they have become Hiroji's pawns. The four emperors are different creatures from you and I. Ordinary logic does not apply to them, but your Straw Alliance seems to be going well. Now that you've come happily into Wano, has your opinion changed at all? And the law's like, I'm the one asking the questions. <laughs> There's a big slice sound effect, which I'm sure it was definitely him slitting Hawkins' throat and nothing else. Uh -huh. Anyway, we get a note saying that this is six days until the raid on Ogunagashima. And then as Law leaves the cell, he says, if letting me walk is part of your plot, then consider me a willing participant as a shadowy figure appears behind him. Hmm. Then we cut over to the labor camp in Udon, where Luffy is just going full training mode with uh, the boss, with the grandpa boss, crime boss, Kyogoro. Yeah. Uh, and he's punching this big slab of steel uh, while training to his uh, hockey abilities. And we cut over to Amigas Village. Uh, they get... News saying that uh, there is going to be an alteration to the riddle image. Lord Yasuye's message was to add two lines to the stomach of the Viper. We get a little bit of a montage around town of everyone being like, oh, I get it. And of course, Nami's like, what the hell is going on? Add two extra lines to Viper. You mean like saying Wiper instead of Viper? No, 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 no. <laughs> that would take be absurd. That would be crazy. Uh, and uh, Kinemon takes out the symbol and is like, OK, you know, if you understand the names of Wano's ports, then it makes sense. The drawing of a pit viper is Habu, which is a destination of Habu port. But if you add two lines onto it, it looks instead like a, a snake with legs. It thus becomes a lizard Tokage port. It's like, all right, cool. Very straightforward explanation. And I appreciate that. Uh, because it's like, oh, alternate language stuff. But no, 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 no it makes sense. All right, yeah. good. Um, we get some reactions from a bunch of the different uh, Wano characters as, as they're now gathering together increasingly with the Straw Hat Alliance. Uh, they're accumulating manpower. They've got weapons now. Uh, Sanji notes that they might actually get that goal of 5,000 men. And Kiriman says, well, let's, yeah, well, let's begin the strategy meeting. Uh, we then get an explanation saying that there are two methods of entering Wano. One is being pulled up the waterfall the way the straw hats were. The other is to split a waterfall and pass through caves. At the end of the cave is Mogura Port, 
From there, a gondola will haul up the crew and cargo. Upon reaching the top of the shaft, you will find yourself in the domain of Hakumai, which is where we currently are, as we see that uh, Kaido uh, is being contacted uh, by somebody. And then Kaido answers the line, and uh, we see that there is this guy who has, like, piano teeth. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Apu. Oh, uh, yes, right. I There are too many One Piece characters, Chris. <laughs> Come on, Nick, it's Scratchman Apu. He has the music music fruit. <laughs> so, yeah, he did that. He turned his, uh, his, told his like whole arm into a, like a, a trumpet. Okay. Uh, children react to the arrival of Apu. Uh, by One of them says that it's the numbers from Onigashima. So presumably because, like, oh, you've got Jack and King and Queen. So these are the lower uh, categories. And there are these huge-ass monsters uh, marching through the town, uh, looking really scary and horned and demonic uh, as they go. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Kaido and Big Mom are celebrating together. And Queen reacts to this by being like, wait, that we're, you guys were fine just a minute ago. Uh, and then Kaido and Big Mom declare that the Animal Kingdom Pirates and the Big Mom Pirates are forming a pirate alliance. And then once we've worked to take over the world, then we're going to finish our fight to the death. And that's the end of the chapter. It makes sense, to be fair. And I do like this weird thing of like everyone else comes upstairs and like, did they just fuck? <laughs> like everyone has to go through it's like they just bang <laughs> what happened here uh and they've both clearly also been drinking too so um yeah there we go we don't get a chapter this coming week so we're gonna have to wait uh, a week to find out more about what's going on hopefully we're getting to a point where things are like all right we're we're getting a montage of like this many days until the uh, attack this many days until the attack so let's get to that point uh because i'm starting to get a little bit like all right i get i get it you gotta do this setup please do it please do it and finish one i wanted to get to the, the big let's get to the fireworks factory come on <laughs> what are we gonna get to the fireworks factory <laughs> all right all right let's talk about all right Chapter 184, Yuba Squad. Nick, uh, do you remember last time when I said the chapter ended? I was like, here's the thing. At least with the next chapter, we're just starting the next match. They've gotten past the point where they would just do planning for the next match. Nope. We're definitely past that. And then the no, entire... you forgot about the immediately pre-match planning, <laughs> which this was a lot better than the planning we got uh, in the last time where I was starting to be like, oh, come on, just get because we get, you know, much more brisk conversations going on uh, in this first chapter uh, of the two that we get. First off, uh, we are introduced to the guest commentators for this. And of course, we already knew that Konami was going to be one of them. The other two members are two former are two members of OG squad who ha had a match earlier in the day. Captain OG, as well as Agent Karachi. And it's like, oh, it's the guy with the nicknames. And then. The person guy. Look, he's here to balance out Konami's personality with his complete lack of one. All right. That is why he is here. Uh -huh. So uh, they go briefly over the results from earlier in the day because those are going to go come into play. Uh, Asma won their match against Kagayura and OG squad four points to three each. But the important note there is the fact that Kagayura squad 
has three points and there are thus three points up on Tamakoma 2. Tamakoma 2 needs to get four points in this match in order to secure second place and thus get to go on the away mission. So that's what they are aiming for. Uh, they also recap a little bit of the stuff that happened during that match. The fact that Ozma was able to even take down Kakayura during it uh, due to uh, Okamura distracting him in a firefight and Ozma sniping him. So there's that. Uh, and uh, so they go over all of that. And then they turn to Konami and are like, so uh, what do you think about this? And Konami is like, four points. Yeah, yeah they're going to do it. Easy. No problem. Like, are you are you sure it's going to be that easy? Yeah. All right. Fair well, enough, I guess. And she also points out that during the last four team battle, they won the match with six points. But then OG is like, well, yes, but the last round, the six points included survival points. And will it be so easy? Oh, this is Karachi. Huh? I better actually give him, a you know, some sort of flavor to this. Oh, yeah. But the record from last round didn't doesn't lie. But that included survival points. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to survive and. Now people understand Hughes' abilities better, and Konami's like, whatever, they'll earn the survival bonus too. They're <laughs> going to win. Shut up. <laughs> Eat shit. Uh, but they also point out, hey, you know, Nina Mia has survived more rounds this season than anyone except for Ozma. So are you sure that they're going to be able to actually survive all the way to the end? Uh, I was like, oh. That's why Osama was actually trying to defeat Ninamiya so hard. Uh, we also learned that uh, OG Squad and Kar- OG and Karachi used to be members of uh, Yuba Squad, and then they've moved on from there. Uh, Kanda is uh, was also part of the group, um, and so now they're kind of like this new form of of the team that uh, no longer has a lot of their old members. They can bring up that part. Then we get into like the strategy meetings going into the match. Uh, first with Tamakoma two. And a lot of it is just like stuff that we've mostly heard before. It's uh, their, like, their pie in the sky dream scenario where they're like, all right, we'll all meet up a magical <laughs> Christmas land. We all get behind like in a fortified structure. I set up wires everywhere. We just slowly pick them off one at a time. It goes perfectly. You're going to all be in a desert surrounded by enemies. <laughs> uh, but they also bring up some of the stuff that they've got to worry about. Uh, for example, if Ikoma comes across Hughes and Chica, he will slice them in half. So stay away from him. Uh, Nina Mia, if he teams up with Inukai or Suji, they'll combine their bullets. They will kill us. So stay away from this. Stay away from that. Get ready to use this. Get ready to use that. Basically stuff that they've all been over before. And uh, Osamu wraps it up by saying we're going to aim for four points. This is our last chance. Let's do it. Then we cut over to Yuba Squad and they say, all right, we've got to worry about Amatori. She could blow stuff up, uh, assuming that she's gotten over her fear of shooting people. And if in terms of just pure firepower, she would actually be a bigger threat even than Nina Mia. Uh, They are like, what if she's not able to shoot people? It's like, well, let's not assume anything like that. Maybe the fact that she blew up Ogudera in the last match has given her a self-confidence boost. Uh, So Yuba just points to uh, Tanoka uh, and it's just like, take her down. She is your target. Take her down so we don't have to worry about her. Which says a lot for, you know, the amount that uh, that Chica has progressed from where she was at the beginning of the rank war. So good stuff there. Then they get to point, uh, he points to uh, Obishima, the guy who uh, had the match with uh, Yuma last month. 
And it's like, hey, so if you were to run into Kuga yourself, what are you going to do? And it's like, well, uh, he only used a big move when he realized I wasn't that uh, when I realized he wasn't attacking seriously. So instead of defending him, I'm going to go in hard after him. And he was like, OK, think about what you know about him. Do you think that's going to work? He's like, no, nah, he'll do something completely different because that's how he does things. It's like, yes, you're getting it because that is what Yuma does. He just like, I did something completely different this time. Because I'm like that. Duck face. <laughs> uh, then they bring up uh, Kanda, the guy that had left their team. And their uh, operator says, like, hey, if we don't, if we lose our high rank here, then Kanda's going to be like, I guess you squad's hopeless around without me around. And he'll say it exactly like that, like a smug prick. So don't let him do that. And they're like, yeah, he would do that, wouldn't he? <laughs> And they say something that's actually kind of sweet because you was like, we already have our restaurant reservations. We've got to hold on to our rank and Kanda's going to get into college. Let's do this and then celebrate in a feast together. <laughs> it's so dorky. He's <laughs> like, we're going to do this so that Kanda can go to college. <laughs> and oh, man, the highlight, Chris. <laughs> it's the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the coma strategy meeting. <laughs> I say strategy meeting. They do no strategizing they don't whatsoever. Talk even remotely. So Kikoma just tells stories. Right? <laughs> he just says, "Hey, you know, I went to do some solo battling, and there was Jin. That was weird, right? Yeah, a rare encounter. Yeah, hella rare. And I was like, let me at him, but that dude Tachikawa beat me to it. And I was like, their fun ain't ever gonna end. So I just." Decided to invite myself in for a sneak peek and watched him. And they got up close and personal. And then they just kept on fighting. They were crazy strong. It was amazing. <laughs> Their operator's like, we've got to strategize, guys. I also <laughs> love that it shows him in the battle. And he's like, he's not hiding behind anything. He's like in the middle of the street, bent down, like straddling just posing, essentially, watching this fight He's happen. He's got to get a better look, Chris. That's his getting a better look and, pose. And the one guy with the afro in the group is just like, that must have been really distracting for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just moves on to something else. Because the operator's like, guys, match is going to start. Shouldn't we be talking about something else? And he comes like, something else? Well, this one time, I thought the wind was blowing something fierce. Turns out it was just my own nose breathing. How's that for a story? They're like, oh, the match has to start. <laughs> and one of their members is like, wait a minute, I've never heard this story before. And the operator's just like, no, you just heard the entire story. There was nothing else to it. <laughs> Guys, we've got to do this match. We've got to have, oh, well, we don't have a, st a strategy in case Chica has another boom. Should we target her? Ikoma's like, just literally looks out of the page, points out of the panel, and points at the rear and says, stay tuned for the final round. <laughs> and they're like, who are you talking to, Ikoma? <laughs> oh my god, best character every chapter. <laughs> Even the chapters he's not in. <laughs> um, And amazingly, Ninamiya Squad accomplishes even less. <laughs> They're doing target practice. They're just, one of them's just standing in front of a bunch of targets, and the other is shooting at him and blowing up the dummies around him. I guess in case they need to get into a firefight where they have to launch into combat. Anyway, that's it. Ninomiya's like, let's go. End of chapter. Don't act like Ninomiya squad's not the coolest fucking squad out there. <laughs> 
Total losers. <laughs> Total fucking posers. Chapter 185, Ninamiya Squad, part two. Everyone transfers in. And what did you know, Chris? Tamako and two, they were all gathered up together. They got to sit up their base. They no, all, yeah, they all sat together. <laughs> it's perfect timing. It works great for everybody. All agents are starting in random positions and spread at a set distance from one another. And here are their starting positions. Okay, so they're a Paris from each squad, and they transfer in relatively close to each other, but Chica did not end up with Hughes. So, oh well, Hughes yeah, is at the other side that, of the map. Yeah, I was like, not only did she not get paired up with him, uh, he's on the butt-fuck opposite side of the map. So, it's her close to Yuma. Yuiga's a little close to them, but he's separated by a bunch of opposition, and then there's Hughes all the way over there. So... Um, the commentators immediately start looking at all into all this, and they're like, "Okay, well, if each pair tries to reunite with their whole squad, but uh, Kuauchi—I've already forgotten his name—is like, well, but Yuba Squad's loner is their sniper, so they don't actually need to rendezvous. Uh, so they're at kind of an advantage here. Tono actually prefers to work solo, starting off a match, uh, and he points out that Osamu is actually the one that they've really got to worry about because. He is completely surrounded by, like, everyone. Uh, and he's surrounded by Yuba squad, Ikoma squad, Inukai is there, and he's got no help for him. So he puts on his back room and starts to push. Uh, and the different squads start uh, communicating with each other. They uh, are like, okay, Ninami is the one that's going to act the fastest here, based on the fact that they are close to Tamakoma 2's pair. So... Um, he, Osamu immediately starts warning uh, Chika and Yuma, saying, all right, I'm going to try and meet up with Hughes before we get over to you guys. Uh, Yuma points out, asks if he should use Bagworm, and so he starts getting ready to put it on. But before he can do that, bombs start descending on them, and Yuma actually grabs Chika and dives out of the way with her, and they have to start moving uh, because Ninomiya has just launched a bunch of bullets on them. Uh, so they have to start running away. It's actually really a really a cool little visual in the background that you can barely see with, amidst all the explosions of Yuma has Chica in his arms with her facing his back. And so she's putting her shield behind him that way. It's like, oh, that's cool. So, so Ninomiya says that his that they've got to figure out if uh, Amatori is prepared to shoot. So they're like, all right, you know, engage this. Inukai dominate the east. And uh, let's get moving. And so that's why this chapter is titled Nehemiah Squad is because they're the ones who are taking the first aggressive action in this in this bout. Uh, Osamo asks if Chica is going to be able to fire back with with Hound. And he indicates, hey, you can't use lead bullets here because if you do that, you're going to have to drop your shield because you can only have two triggers equipped at once. So you have to give up your defense if you're going to use lead bullets. So you can't do that. You have to use real bullets. And Chica says, I can do it. And Yuma gives her a little bit of encouragement after she hesitates for a moment. And he's just like, hey, give it a try. Fire off a blast and then slow them down. And that way I can switch on Bagworm and we can escape. He's not trying to say, hey, shoot back at them. Give us some cover and then we'll work us worry into this. So he's being thoughtful of what her limitations still are in this point. Or, and uh, he's that- also strategic reasons. Well, too, isn't so. he also, it's his side effects triggering. He can tell she's lying. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what that wave is. Okay. Because she says he can do it. Of course, he can tell that. It's been so long since he's pulled that out. Jeez. Yeah. It's what monthly chapters do to me. So, 
But he points out that it's also for strategic reasons saying, hey, as long as they're convinced you're not going to shoot back, it's going to be easy for them to come after us. So we've got to convince them, if nothing else. So Osama's like, all right, one shot and then get to cover. And so Chica summons her hound. I love whenever she does this because just this huge ass cube appears. It's so satisfying even before knowing the results because just, geez, there's so many, so many boxes of bullets. <laughs> Fucking just launch out. It's terrifying. Uh, so she bombards both Naomi and his teammates to hold them off. And then, of course, Tomo's like, well, found Namatori. Look at that barrage of bullets. <laughs> uh and so Yuba Squad's like, all right, well, Ninomiya and Amatori are blowing each other to bits. We're going to earn points by mopping up over in this side of the map instead. So let's do it. And that's it. Uh, that's the end of, the, of uh, both chapters this week. We get more next month. And hey, Rank Wars match has finally begun. We've got a little bit of action going on. Next chapter, we cut back to more like pre-conference discussions. Flashback. <laughs> Just to let you know what they're thinking of at this moment. All right. That is going to do it then this week for Weekly Manga Recap, guys. Chris, what was your favorite uh, this week? Uh, so my favorite chapter this week I'm going to give to Mission Yozakura Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a very good chapter. Um, I'm still thinking on my, mm. my MVP, so you can go. I'm totally on board with you with Mission Yozakura Family. This was something, like I said, that this really made me feel like, okay, I want to see where the series goes now. First chapter was a fine little story on its own. This one's like, all right, I see where you're going, and I like it, and I want to see more. So, uh, And also, I mean, you mentioned when we were talking about We Never Learned, oh, it's one of the best written chapters this week. I see why you said that, because there weren't a lot of series that were good this week. So does that too. So it felt like the clear standout to me. Yeah, uh, no, you give your character of the week first. I'm going to give mine to Taiju just because it was nice to have him back and being his very lovably stupid self. Uh, just the idea of him like, oh, yeah, I just held my breath and dove down to the bottom of the sea and grabbed this heavy statue and brought it back up. No big deal. I'm going to go make two or three hundred round trips. Uh, and then someone points out easier ways to do it. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, it's very genuine and and lovable about him. I guess. And I'm not super happy about this, but I'm going to give it to the guy from the the Twitter bomber from Yosakura family. I don't the know. King Bomber actually, Tamaya. Yeah, King Bomber Tamaya. Because I don't know. That was probably the, like, the funniest character in my mind this week. It was, it was a really Now in flames. Looks like I'm going to die. <laughs> I want to give it to Diane, but I think next Hashtag chapter. Hashtag Mondays. <laughs> yeah, like, I think next chapter is going to be when Diane actually does something cool. So I want to hold mm. off for that. Uh, and the reason I said earlier, uh, so the audience pick was their favorite character or their favorite series was World Trigger. And the, mm. the, the, the winner of the character poll was a coma from World Trigger. But <laughs> I didn't check this until like just yesterday again. Prior to that, the character of the week was actually Power from Chainsaw Man. And I went to read the chapter for Chainsaw Man. And it does make sense because I don't know the context for it. The two characters are riding up an elevator and the door is open and it's full of zombies. And they're like, oh, we should just stay quiet. And she's like, I'm going to kill all these zombies. I'm the strongest. It just starts punching through. And he just quietly sits in the elevator, waits for it to close and come up to the right destination. So I understand why they did. And I mentioned earlier that this is all going to lead up. So uh, we put together a poll 
It was all. It was a straw poll. We left it up for a very long time. Got mm-hmm. quite a lot of votes on mm-hmm. it. And the final tally has a tie. Nick. Yep. Chainsaw Man and Act Age both tied. So we're going to add both of those series to the recap. But they've kind of been going back and forth a little bit at the exact moment that I've opened up just now. Chainsaw Man has a very slight lead. No, uh, I haven't refreshed since. Uh, but there are. Two separate clear separations there uh, where um, Demon Slayer has about about three quarters as many votes as those two. And then there's like a big gap where Haikyuu and Jujutsu Kaisen have about half as many votes as the top two. No one wants so, us to read Haikyuu. I'm sorry. I wanted yeah, so, it. So Chainsaw Man and, and Act Age are the ones that we are going to add to the recap. Uh, but... It's going to take some time. So it'll I, take I, us time I, I to catch up, sure. especially Act 8. We're going to need some time to catch up. And specifically, I don't know if we're going to be able to start them during September, which is already mm-hmm. a super busy month for us. Both right, in, right, right. And out of the show. So it may take a little bit longer, but we will be adding both those to the recap. All right. And uh, that's going to, you know, be helping us to replace the series that look like they are on the verge of ending soon, especially like Seven Deadly Sins looks like it's almost done. And of course, Food Wars has just ended. Uh, as for the other series, well, hey, maybe Kimetsu no Yaiba we'll get to eventually. Um, but there's only so many series that we can actually cover every single week. So the, those two, uh, have won the poll pretty clearly. So that's what we're going to go with. And, uh, I hope that uh, we have a good time recapping them, if nothing else, because uh, I mean, I like acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been like, you guys, you guys, okay, look, I chainsaw man more and more. So I think what will probably end up happening, too, is I'll be the one who recaps Chainsaw Man. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I end up saying negative things about the series, guys, it's I mean, you voted for it. So there you go. Um, yeah. People like Chainsaw Man. Whatever. All right. Um, let's wrap things up then. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. Soon to be changing with the times. I made a note on Twitter uh, this morning about how like almost every jump series is available. So subscribe to show and jump if you don't already, or just read the series on manga plus support yeah. free manga. support to officially release manga. Anyway, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us. You can uh, listen to our show here live on twitch.tv slash rollo T smashcast.tv slash rollo T and check out our past episodes. Chris upload a, a number of episodes uh, yeah, before we started recording actually, today. They're all going to be uploaded by the end of the like by the end of tonight too. So, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, they're already going to be up. But everything's mm-hmm. going to be up and current. So Podbean, uh, Podbean, you can check us out on there. We can microrecap.podbean.com. You can check them out on YouTube. You can check them out on iTunes. Uh, and be sure to subscribe, comment, rate, all that good stuff. How about the algorithms? Help us to defeat the woodworkers and rise to the top of the hobby section on iTunes. Tell and if you would like... monsters. Yeah, bastards. The, the reign of terror has yeah. come on for some Hashtag time. woodworkers are over party. Get it trending on Twitter. Come on, guys. Let them go the way of the fidget spinners. (laughs) Got rid of them, didn't we? I don't know. When was the last time you saw a fidget spinner for that? I lost mine in my car somewhere. I'm very sad about it. Yeah, I had one for a little bit. I don't know why. It was actually really calming. So I actually was really sad to lose it.
if you want to send us some feedback, if you want to just participate in conversations, discussions with uh, the other people who listen to the show, you can join our Discord server where there are a number of different channels for a bunch of different kinds of conversations, including just, you know, the week's manga in general. And you can share conversations about how great Chainsaw Man is with people. <laughs> um, uh, and also, you can use that to uh, check out the spreadsheet that NGX3i has has maintained for us. That is where uh, you can keep track of all the recommendations we've done and have been recommended already and are currently working on all that stuff. Supplementary awards that we will name at the end of the year when we're looking back at, the, at uh, 2019. All that good stuff. So first thanks go out to NGX3i as well as Steve Manor, Tile Carist, infamous plant for the stuff you do. Milo Stillitz, SoundCloud.com slash Milo-Jack-Stillitz, and Winsadale Cheddar, YouTube.com slash Winsadale Cheddar, for making the opening sequence for us. And, uh, yeah, so this so is September is upon us, guys. If we slowly descend into madness before we end up reca- recapping Kodomo no Jikan, that is why. Mm-hmm. So, pray for us. It's gonna be and easy. also, while you're doing that, be sure to go into the uh, spreadsheet and stuff and drop any Halloween series recommendations. Uh, I thought you were going to say, uh, pray for us. And while you're doing that, guys, make sure you're praying for all the people out there, for the little people, for the people you may not know. Make make sure like you're getting plugs in on your prayers. Yeah, there you go. Why not check out? <laughs> <laughs> check check out. Uh, I don't know. Give really Jesus know a follow, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of this young up and cover called Jesus. Uh, he's got some real cool. He's got ideas. a new channel, you know. Yeah, he's got some good stuff going on out there. He's got the Holy Spirit, all sorts of crazy stuff going Prime on. Prime so content, go, well, go well, 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 well worth a view. The yeah. one woodworker we do support. <laughs> That's gonna do it. For <laughs> he's thirty-three years old. I'm sure that he's gonna have a long YouTube career. <laughs> all right, so anyway, he's gonna go see Pontius Pilate this week. I, it's gonna be like a crossover episode. I'm yeah, it's gonna be that. great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, guys. We are going to hell. See you. Bye. Bye.